Caribbean people are storytellers. Fables, folklore, ingrained in us is the appreciation of a well-woven tale. The legends of the brave black revolutionaries who led us away from colonialism. The industrious Syrian businessmen who built an empire by starting with one bolt of cloth to sell door-to-door. I've always admired the power of business to change lives, to create jobs, to create sustainable wealth. But there were very few stories told of black-owned businesses, businesses I knew about and patronized. But you rarely hear about them, or you might just find out about them by chance. And it's hard to be what you hardly see, so I became determined to find a way for black businesses and business owners to be seen, to give them an opportunity to tell their stories, the diverse stories of the Caribbean. This is Caribbean Power Lunch with your host, Kevin Vanny, where we feature Black-owned businesses. Today, we have the Terry Carell Reed, social media personality of the year for 2020, online brand strategist, a speaker, virtual event host, international event host, human ethernet. Yes, sir. Your Jamaican girl. Terry, how are you? Yes, sir. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for that awesome introduction. And of course, hi everyone, the whole Caribbean massive. Big up yourself for the yardies who are in the chat. Blessings. Thank you for being here. You know, when we were talking, you were talking earlier, right? You say, yes, we, we could identify all the yardies, all the Jamaicans, and big up to all the Jamaicans because we see all these, all these hyphenated names, you know. And, and, <laughs> Terry, well, like the Stacian, the, 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 the Trudian, yeah. the Peter Gaze, the Terry Carrells. Yeah, my thing for the dashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one name is not enough. So, so I mean, I mean, like, what's what's behind that? Like, what's behind that? Like, what? I, you know, I don't know. We you know we were saying that maybe it's a it's a it's a it's a toss up between mommy and daddy wanting a particular name. I think Jamaicans um feel like nobody no more than we. We feel like you know we're there and you know there can be like there can be three Stacys in the room, but I'm Stacy and. So I am not common like the others because I have an un on my name. So I think the hyphenated um, names kind of give you a little edge from being like everyone else. I mean, I, I really don't know, but that's, that's one of my theories. <laughs> All right. And another thing that interests, that really piqued my interest, right? Mm-hmm. Human Ethernet. So I know it had mm-hmm. to have been like this process and coming up with that, with that tag. Right? Was it, was it like, what, what made, how did you come up with that? Right. Well, what happened is, um, and I think a lot of us have probably experienced it with our providers, you know, your Wi-Fi popped down, your cable popped down, you call up the operator and she says, okay, you know, you need to restart your router. And then they say, you know, there's an icon like your ethernet. And when that icon starts to blink, it means that your connectivity has come back. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. It's a term used a lot with motherboards and computers and, and networking systems. And so I've always managed to connect dots and find stories in situations and circumstances that are that most people don't see. And then I, I'm able to connect and reach people um, and engage with people where they are. And so I was just like, okay, human ethernet, yeah. I connect across networks. Nice. And, you know, you, you have that, that authenticity where it, where it is relatable. I mean, our first conversation, and to me, you must be an extremely busy person, right? But you sat down and said, hey, man, three hours, I'm in alignment, and the only reason that conversation had to end, because I had to go. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. And you're also, right. And I think and I think that's what that's what connectivity is all about. I think um, Caribbean people uh, are very good at spotting fake. We're good at spotting plastic and people who are putting on a particular facade. We can see right through it. And so anyone who is trying to be fake or trying to put on a, a facade usually doesn't last for too long. But when people are engaging and, and speaking and conversing, just being themselves, you find that those conversations then can just go on and on and on. And that's what our 30-minute prep session turned into a three-hour vibe on Zoom. Because of your Ethernetness. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some brass tacks, right? So sure. the theme of today is don't play small, right? Mm-hmm. Double down. Go, well, I don't want to use the term all in, but, you know, go full hundred. Right? I mean, you know, my father always had this saying that anything you're doing, whether it be polishing the shoes or mowing the lawn or your, or your homework, always do it to the best of your ability. Don't don't do it half. You always give it to hundred percent. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when we look when we when we look at our lives, right? When we look at everybody in this room, everybody um, as young professionals and everything, we always we, we tend to struggle with this feeling of inac- inadequacy. You know, mm-hmm. not enoughness. Mm-hmm. Right? We're just mm-hmm. we're not we're not good enough. We don't deserve that promotion. We're not good enough to do to do that job, right? We can't, we can't get that contract. And when you go back to it, it's really, it starts with your environment, right? It looks, you look at your, your immediate circle, your friends, your people you, who you know and trust, whose opinion you trust. And even worse than that, like people who you look up to, people who you admire, mm-hmm. respect. And if they are to tell you, hey, Stay in your lane. You can't you can do this. Focus on this. That is what you're good at. Don't, don't try that. You know, it's, it's already meant, um, inherently limiting. Now, for you, I want get, to get into, like, how you were brought up. Because you were brought up with mm-hmm. that. You were, you were never told, hey, now nah, you can't do this. You always told, hey, go. I don't know what that is. I can't, I can't relate. I cannot relate to you can't do this. So for those persons who don't know me, I grew up with my mommy and my grandma. My grandma actually gave up her job so that my mommy, who at the time was about 22, just getting the job as a flight attendant for Air Jamaica, would be required to travel back and forth. And what my grandmother didn't want is she didn't want my mother to lose out on what she considered to be a great opportunity. So she actually sacrificed. And I mean, as Caribbean people, we always have stories of our grandparents or our parents sacrificing. And um, I grew up in this household with these two very strong women where mommy was the breadwinner, she was the hard worker, and grandma who was the nurturer. And grandma was always feeding me. And I, and I, and I, and I think that is what the word is. We have to be careful with, with who we allow to feed us because the information that you know, enters, becomes our reality. So here it is. I have a grandma who is telling me, yo, you're a superstar. You're amazing. You're excellent. You did an awesome job. You can do better. I know there's more in you. When you have somebody who is going to be feeding that to you from the moment you walked out of the womb, you have to understand that it becomes a part of your DNA. So as you were, you were speaking about your father saying, you know, do the best you can be. For me, I use the saying, excellence is unconditional. My grandmother taught me that you are not excellent because you're going for the job. You're not excellent because people are watching you. You are not excellent because you're trying to get the promotion. You are excellent 
as you breathe. Meaning I don't need validation from anybody else in order to be excellent. So because that is the seed that was sown and my grandmother watered that seed since day one, I literally grew with a, 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 a level of confidence so that whenever people came to me and told me, well, your light is a little bit too bright or you go on so big or you have so much confidence. I was able to kind of look at them and say, well, you know, your insecurity has nothing to do with me. And I think that is probably one of the, the, the number one things that Caribbean people um, have a hard time dealing with, being able to look at people and going through and pushing through regardless of what people say. Yeah, yeah, no. And I want to be careful in how I ask this next question because it can be a little, can be a little touchy, right? But while looking you up and everything, I mean, I always say, you know, your mom, your grandmother and everything. But what about your dad? You know, so like many people, when, you know, we grew up in that single family household, whether it be an absent mom or, or well, sorry, whether it be you're living with, only with your mom or you're living only with your dad, they always feel like mm-hmm. they miss out. They miss out on parts of an experience. Right, right. No, it's it's funny. I, I mean, I can see, I can see Kevin kind of going, okay. Let me be very, let me be very careful with how I pose this question. Well, for for starters, if we are West Indians, we know that most persons, I believe, I don't know the statistics, but most of us grow in single parent um, households. Um, I can say for me, I only understood what daddy issues were when I got to college, because my grandmother and my mother, even though my father was an absentee father, my mother and my grandmother, one, never spoke ill of him. They never said anything negative about him. They, they literally just grew me as a complete human being. They wanted me to be a decent human being. And I think they approach it from a very mature level, which I think we still need to work on. So I didn't grow up hearing your father, this, your father, not this, your father, never. And I think that really helped me to grow with um, a sense of purpose. And I was not bitter and my heart was not full of, 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 of anger or, or hatred. I just think my mother, my grandmother did a, such a good job that I didn't know I was missing out on anything. I didn't know that there was this father figure that everyone always says, if a girl doesn't have, she's going to, to lose her mind. And in fact, I will go on to say, and this might be unpopular opinion, that I think a part of my confidence is because I did not grow up in a family where, where patriarchy existed. Mm. Because most of my friends who grew up in households with fathers, as great as fa- some fathers are and they're involved, fathers got the biggest pieces of the chicken. Fathers sat at the head of the table. Fathers were the ones who, you know, established the rules and mothers played a, a supporting role. Fathers were the dominant characters. Now, if you remove that from me, all I see are women who are doing what they need to do, how they need to do it every single day. So I never grew up with the idea that necessarily the man is the head, which also removed any restriction from me showing up at meetings and anyone, whether you are male or female, I was going to be excellent at what I did. Yeah, yeah, and I see Nikisha. So there's no hatred. Yeah, there's no hatred for him. There's no hatred. Um, I have no ill will, uh, but I just don't miss something that I, or someone that I just have not had the opportunity of knowing over 38 years. Did I just give up my age? Woo, Jesus! You're a young girl, baby, yourself now. <laughs> you know, but no, I really, I really love that because, and I really love what your, what your mom and your grandma, what your grandmother did, is that they focus 
on the positive. They focus on the task. Mm-hmm. They ignore just like just like what what you talked about earlier. Ignore the well potential external um external vibes, external feeling. They like, had feeling of heaviness. Hey, listen, I have this. I have this beautiful young girl to raise. I'm going to do the best job I can with this girl. And she and and as a result as a result of that, you don't even you don't even realize that hey yeah I was missing this you know you know and you get to totally it. oblivious. I was totally oblivious. So I only heard about the effects of not having a father when I was now in my nine, like I was 19, 20 and I went, I can't relate because I just didn't experience that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, right. You're still on your, still on childhood a little bit, right? No problem. We, <laughs> Somebody so, yeah. said 30, how much? Wow. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell 38. <laughs> a young Girl. Pretty, yeah. Girl. Listen, listen, 40 is new 30, you know. What is new thing? So them say. So them say. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Right. So you always had this this love for animals and stuff, right? I mean, I, I don't know if that's part of your human ethernetness or if yes. that's you know that's connecting with other creatures, you know. So I mean, tell us about about that um about that experience, you know, with all these pets growing up, and you always wanted right. to be a pet. Kevin, let me tell you something. Yeah, big up to all the eighty-two babies because I see the comments coming. I, there's a phenomenon that a lot of my friends used to always um, notice about me. If all of us are walking down the road, the stray dog, I swear, will come to me. A, a goat, a pig, a bird, whichever animal we were around, it would always come to me. But at, from the age of four or five, I said I wanted to be a veterinarian. That was my love. That was my dream. And my parents, my mom and my grandma, what they did was they watered that seed, right? They watered that dream. And so they gave me pets and they allowed me to have strays. And I think at one particular point in time, I had 26 animals ranging from dog and bird to goat and pig. And even in high school, what? And it, it wasn't a farm. We never grew <laughs> up on a farm. Goat and pig, we never grew up on no farm. And right now, I'm still trying to figure out how my grandparent, my mommy and my grandmother allowed me to have so many pets. And what started to happen was they'd get sick, they'd get um, wounds, and I was instinctively taking care of them. I didn't um, turn away from blood or anything like that. And I remember at the age of eight, writing the governor general and saying, you know, we do not take care of our animals in this country. And I'm going to see to it that we have a shelter. And he wrote me back. So picture this one dream I go through high school, I get the grades, everybody calls me Dr. Doolittle, and everybody knows I'm going to be the veterinarian. I did not come from a family with money, so my mother and my grandmother made it very clear you need to get a scholarship. We don't have the money for the Ivy Leagues and all of that. I got a scholarship, got to Cuba, studied veterinary medicine, en español, imagínate, todo está en español. Had to learn everything in Spanish. Sí, sí, está bien, está bien, qué bueno, qué bueno. Came home, claro que sí. Came home super excited because now I'm going to realize my dream. Went to the vet board with my certificate and I'm like, okay, when do I sit this exam? When do I register? And they were like, yo, sorry, we have bad news. We do not accredit students who study in veterinary medicine. We do not accredit students who study vet med in Cuba. And Mm. I was like, what? Because I had my blinkers on. I wasn't looking at a contingency plan. I wasn't looking at a plan B. And I remember my mother bawling in the parking lot because she asked me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, mom, I have no idea. I did not have cushion subjects 
to say try out business or accounts. And I literally turned to my mom and said, you know what, mom? I don't know where I'm going to be right now. I don't know what my immediate plan is going to be, but I know that I'm going to be all right. So that is just in a nutshell, taking you from me always wanting this dream to actually going through the steps, doing everything in my power, having the right attitude to that door being slammed in my face. Yeah, I know. I mean, and I like that you, you know, you got to the punchline already, but I just want to dial back a little bit. So as, cause there are so many play big moments. Yeah. There's so many, well, there are layers, but there are so many moments and events in there where you, where you went big again. You know, first of all, at H.A. Holy Rights in the Governor General. Yeah. Yeah. Even now I look back on it and I go, well, how dare you? And I think that is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the attitude of audacity. And I think that is what we're trying to talk to our Caribbean massive. And what we're saying is, forget the fear. Our faith is greater than our fear. And what we need to do is not only just have belief in self, as in, yeah, we can do this, but to actually have the attitude of audacity that now takes you to the next level. So at eight, I had a message. Governor General is the highest ranking person, and I thought I would let him know. And I think that is the level of audacity that we need to have in our lives to take ourselves and our personal brands from point A to point B. Yeah, yeah, and... 26 pets in a in a family home you know it's not it's not it's not plain it's more leader all right but you know we we'll, we'll, tell you <laughs> we'll, we'll go past that right so we get to cuba <laughs> everybody hablas espanol right i can't yeah. all that well you know i just do a few right right so everybody's speaking speaking spanish your your courses are in spanish your lecturers speak in spanish nobody there's no english hey let's yeah because you Kevin, I thought I thought the teachers were bilingual. All this time we were going to Cuba. I don't know why I thought that Cuba was just the location, but that we were going to be given teachers who spoke English. So the first day of class, you know, we collect our books, they give us our dorm. I'm settling in, and the teacher comes in, Marisol. I'll never forget her name. And she's like, Oh, buenos dias. <laughs> and I was like, let me. Let me raise the mano and ask. And I said, excuse me, but we speak English. And she was like, bueno, hablamos español. And they made absolutely no attempt to speak, to speak English with you. And you had to realize right then and there, either you were going to get with the program, have a certain level, a mindset that is now open, and you're going to give it all. Some Caribbean students dropped out within the first week. Some of them said that they couldn't deal with Cuba because we didn't have stoves and you had water lock-offs and that level of discomfort and inconvenience. Some people said they didn't sign up for that. And so you had some Caribbean students dropping out from week one, the first semester. They just couldn't handle the pressure. Whereas there are some of us who were like, listen, we may have very little resources, but we're going to do what we have to do with what we have to do to get by. You know, I always have so so much respect for people who could who speak more than one language. Like I always mm-hmm. remember on a, on a flight back from Germany to Tobago, the air hostesses you would, they would come to speak. They would come and speak to me in French because they assume I'm African. But when they realize I'm I'm not African, <laughs> they, they would speak to me in English. Then they would speak to a, a guy next to me in Spanish, and then they they go down the road and they speak in German. Somebody's like, "Wow, like that." That's that, impressive. That is insane, you know, and 
we, I don't know. So the traditional school method of teaching languages, you go to a class, you learn your vocab, you know, you're, you're For 45 minutes. Memorize, right. But you had a different approach of. It was immersive. Yeah. So tell us about that. So what happened is that for most students, what they do is they go to the class um, and become a part of what we're accustomed to the curriculum. And what I did is I believe that learning is by doing. Like stop talking about it. Stop talking about what you're going to do and do it because it is by doing it that you learn. So the first two weeks, I scold class. I said, Marisol, I don't know where you depend, you know. I don't understand nothing where you're saying. So what I did was I hit the clubs. I hit the boulevard. I was at the supermarkets. Anywhere Cubans were, I was. And in my building on the second floor, that's where the, some Cubans used to live on property. And they used to always pass whenever I was going up the stairs and they were always dancing and playing their music. And one day I stopped and they started speaking to me and they said, you know, like the gesture, do you want to dance? And I was like, Psh, of course, because my personality is very, bring it on. And I realized when I stopped every day, and started to learn how to dance, I had to start understanding the instructions. So for the first two weeks, it was about learning while doing. So I wasn't doing the book. And after my two weeks, I was not just speaking the Spanish, the, 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 the proper Spanish. I was speaking the, the Cuban slang. Que bola sere, como esta, todo esta bien. When I went back to the class and I sit down here, you know, become a same mom, I go, wait for Marisol. And when she walked into the class, Marisol ain't ready. Listen, Marisol ain't ready for this. When she started to speak, I understood because I had opened my mind to taking information. And so we all can't be thinking about getting bigger, expanding our territory, and being bigger brands if you're not willing to open your mind. Look at what, where you are, no matter how small that place may be. You may not be in the space that you thought you were going to be in, but ask, how much can I absorb right now? And that was the beginning to my, you know, me being bilingual. But tell me though, like, so going through all, all I mean, the dancing, people saying whatever's left foot in Spanish. And... Mira, para allá, para allá, para allá, izquierda, derecho, da vuelta, da vuelta. Right, and you there? Well, well shucks. Well, well, you know, and you, and you, was it mean that's that process that two, that two week process every day? Because I mean, I could give you a very small example, right? So, well, as you see, I wear glasses. I I was trying to get contacts, and I would mm-hmm. go. I I would go every like two twice a week to the uh, optometrist, and they and they would teach me how Kevin. This is how you put in your contacts, and I would I would try to get my finger on my eyeball, and I I, I tremble. You know, and, and we would sit there for like an hour and a half. And it was like, all right, um, Tuesday when they come back, we'll try again. I eventually, eventually, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no Terry Curl. I gave up. I just said, hey, okay, well, give me, let me get, get some nice glasses, frames. And, I, and let me press on in my life because this, this is taking too long. This is frustrating, Ke- right? Kevin, you know what I realized though? I don't mean to cut you, but you know what I realized? Um, in order for us to grow, it, it takes, it t- we feel uncomfortable. Some of our best growth the best learning and the best growth and expansion we will ever experience in our lives came from areas of discomfort. And I said it recently that there are animals in the animal kingdom that they, if they do not go through a cocooning stage or a molting stage, snakes shed their skin. Some of them it's really, really painful, but they have to go through that transformation because if they don't, their species die. So for me, I realize that when I feel uncomfortable, it's a good sign. 
because it means that I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm no longer being safe, but I am daring myself to dive in, try it out, experiment, fail if I fail, fail fast, keep it moving. So I like feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And then I challenge myself to do it anyway. So you were, you were like 22 or 23 at the time, right? That's your mm-hmm. list in Cuba, trying to learn the Spanish and everything. Right? So, Correct. Tequero también, Justin. Tequero. Go, Justin. <laughs> Big up to Justin. All right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you, you're, so you're, Im- you're immersed in this, in, this, um, in this atmosphere at 23 years old. But is that, did you always, were you always comfortable, feeling comfortable? Like, where you get that wisdom from? You know, there's a, there's a difference when I think grandparents raise you. I think there is a, a different kind of wisdom. Yeah, they use these proverbs all the time. You know, when you grow up and you see your grandparents or your, and your mother, you know, use the very little resources, what they do is they, te- they, they show you that you are above your circumstances. They are showing you by example that you are not defined by where you're at or what, you are defined by what you do. So I realized that from early. So I've just told myself, listen, the difference between um, persons and those who make it and those who don't, those who are successful and those who don't, are that some of us are willing to just take the risk to just bet on ourselves. That's the single biggest difference between those of us who just get a little bit further than others because we literally say, you know what? Mega take a risk on myself. And we stick to it consistently. All right. So you go back to class. You mash up Marisol. You show Marisol I'm... that you're... <laughs> right? You Listen. Marisol that you're Cuban dialect better than Hoon. Right? So before even, before even get to the graduation part, right? Because I know you were, huh. you were in Cuba from late 2000 to... Um, to 2007. Mid-2007 or so, right? But 2005, it is, you, you went into Miss Jamaica World. Right. Yeah, dread. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. To this day, people look at me and they go, you don't even act like a beauty queen. Like you don't come across like a beauty queen. In 2005, Kevin, mm. I come home and for three weeks, for three years, consecutive years, I've been told you should enter Miss Jamaica. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested in beauty pageants. I'm, listen, I'm a tomboy, you know, really just rough just a boy and i used to rock a big afro on dorm and i was like what what would i do as a beauty queen like no i'm not interested and what happened is every single year i would come home from cuba and because the school year finishes late all the summer jobs were always taken and one year in 2005 i came home and i tell you all of my all of my amazing um stories of triumphs came after roadblocks and they came after rejection which is why i'm here to tell anybody who's watching rejection is redirection i came home one year broke and just wanting money and being miserable because i'm somebody who needs to do something to get a little bit of items to take back to cuba and i ran into a guy mark mcdonald who was a personal trainer at the gym that is the home of mystery maker world he's been trying for years I jump on a bus. I am taking the public transportation system when I enter Miss Jamaica world. I just want people to understand we are not defined by our present, present circumstances. I literally take a bus and I end up sitting down beside him and he says, yo, 
enter Miss Jamaica now. The deadline is tomorrow. And I think you should do it. You can't have me ask you every single year. And I said, boy, you know, it's not like I'm doing anything for the summer. I'm not doing anything. And I said, all right, I'll enter. I entered on the day of the deadline. <laughs> put in my little submission, jump back on my, put a jump back on my bus and I went back home. And I was like, I don't even know what I just did. And then they sent a message telling everybody, come out for the auditions. We're choosing 16 of you guys. We showed up at the Jamaica Pegasus. And when the elevator opened up, Kevin, I saw 120 girls makeup here. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? Because poor me, throw on a swimsuit here, big afro, no makeup. And I'm just like, I have no business here. I have absolutely no business here. But I say, Lord, you know, you make me come here. I'm already here. Me go do my thing. Because of some mistake. Boom. <laughs> so they asked all of us, get our numbers to introduce ourselves. And I'm sitting down looking at all the girls saying, she's going to get chosen. She's going to, she's definitely going to get chosen. Because I think as human beings and as Caribbean people, I think we project a lot. So we can always see the gifts and talents in other people. But it's like, we find it hard to find the talents and to define the talents of our inner selves, right? When them count up to contestant number 13, they said, contestant number 14, Terry Carell. And I jumped up and I remembered all the other girls around me clapping, which is weird, weird because we didn't know each other yet, but they thought that I was a nice girl. That's the few minutes we were there. So I get chosen. I'm contestant number 14 and I'm like, oh, snap. What the hell does this require me to do now? Because I never expect to get this far. And over the period of a month, we had to prepare. And when we did our first, um, our first public appearance, uh, I did well. I mean, all the girls were very nice and poised. And I'm like, yeah! and I'm waving at people because that's what, that's what I do. And when I did that, people started cheering for me. And my mom, when I saw her afterwards, I was like, how did I do? And she said, you know, you did very, very well. I'm very proud of you. And I said, well, why do you look that way? She said, well, a woman came to me and she asked me, is that your daughter, contestant number 14? And my mother was like, yeah, that's, that's my baby girl. And she said, she's beautiful, nice personality, seems to be a people person, very bubbly. It's a pity she won't win. Ooh. What? So after, like, after, after in Jamaica, we just said, but she bright and out of all <laughs> Yeah, she bright and facey. Go on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what I did was I, um, I told my mommy, don't worry about it. People are going to be insecure for whatever reason. It has nothing to do with me. And so what the woman said basically was, she don't look like the girls who win. She darker in comparison to the other girls. The natural hair, she will have a pick a struggle. She's going to either be dark with straight hair or she's got to be brown with an Afro. And I remember going through for the entire month and people rooting and saying, boy, we don't feel the judges are going to give you. But you know what? We're rooting for you. And on the day before the finals, we met with our hair sponsors and they left me for last. And they asked me, what do you want to do for the, the finals tomorrow? And I was like, we're going to wash it. We're going to condition it. And we're going to keep this party going. And they were like, you sure? You sure you don't want to? I said, we're going to wash it. We're going to condition it. 
<laughs> I was going to keep it moving. So I show up on the finals with my Afro because I tell myself, if I'm going to lose today, I am losing in my authentic self. Walk. Them say, most talented contestant number 14. Some say, even if I don't win the crown, at least the people them know semi-talented. Then they said, the most aware, who is the lady who is um, brightest, you know, and most aware. Contestant number 14, some say, oh, I'm talented and I'm bright. Then they said, the most congenial is contestant number 14. Some say, I'm not have to win the crown. Madonlan. <laughs> Clean up. <laughs> but when they called me as um, Miss Jamaica World, it turned the entire country upside down. And it was a stepping out, if you will, and a recognition and an acknowledgement for women who were black, women who had natural hair, and were just okay at just being who they are. And I kept that all the way to Miss World, where the people then came back and said, but that could have worked for Jamaica. That can't work for foreign with Venezuela and Colombia. If anybody who has goosebumps right now, just type yes in the chat. Just type yes. Oh, my goodness. I, my, oh, my goodness. So picture, Kevin, I go to Miss World in China. My mother didn't have any money to come. My franchise holders didn't come. I didn't have anybody in the audience for me. Usually a Miss Jamaica World, you know, family members who can afford it can go. So here it is. I'm going through the month. I place in all my sectionals. I'm ending up in the newspaper with my Afro. Um, I show up on AsianBeauties.com, look for me good. I am not an Asian. And I asked the photographer, how did I end up on AsianBeauties.com? And you know what he said to me with his translator? He said, he said, when I look at the 100 plus girls who are here at Miss World, he says, I know where Miss Jamaica is. He's like, your hair. You always had your hair out. You were always different. He said, you're easily recognizable. And I said, how easy it is for people to use the one thing that helps you to stand out from a crowd to take that away from you, for you to blend in. And I ended up placing in all sectionals, placed in the top 15, saw my flags raised, was asked my interview question and was voted people's choice for the Caribbean. You know, Terry, as you, as you talk about that, not, not telling your shine or not um, dimming down your own light, just to fit in with everybody else. I want you to, to segue into, into a story where you were hosting an event with, um, with some children. And, you know, most of the children were dressed pretty casual, maybe um, a T-shirt, maybe a polo, whatever it is. And there was one young man who entered. Oh, uh, Mr. Bowtie. Bowtie, really bow Mr. Bowtie guy. Yeah, well, so right. for those of you who don't know, Mr. Bowtie guy is probably my most impactful video of, of last year. I've gone all over the world and people as far as Japan have told me that video did lots for me. So for those of you who might not be Jamaican, Mr. Bowtie Guy, I was invited as a speaker at the, Flor the Florida Caribbean Students Association Leadership um, Summit in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I was the keynote on the Friday, and then I was the moderator for the town hall meeting. We're looking at 350 students, all of which are either Caribbean-born or born to Caribbean parents. This guy walks in. Students are settling. He got on a suit, normal suit. He got on a bow tie. He catches my eye instantly. I get goosebumps every time I recall the story. 
I wanted to say something to him, but I didn't get to because I was engaged by a Bayesian, another impressive Bayesian guy. And I turned to a girl walking up behind him and I said, what college is that? And she told me. So we're getting ready to start the show. We're doing housekeeping. And I said, before we get started, I said, there is a young man that I just want big up. I said, he's wearing a bow tie. Silence. Crickets, tumbleweed, nobody gets up, nobody says anything. So I'm like, he's from X college. I barely see a hand go up. And then I see this guy stand up and he not wearing his bow tie. And he said, um, I'm so sorry, uh, ma'am. Very polite. He said, um, it was squeezing my, my neck. And I said, all right, no problem. I already knew. I already knew why he took off his bow tie. But I said, no problem, because I don't believe in embarrassing people or putting them on the spot. And that boy bothered me for the entire day in my heart. But I would get a chance to see him again in the night where we had this gala, which was the culmination. He walked up to me and he said, Miss Carell, ma'am, I'm really, really sorry that when you called on me today, I did not have on my bow tie. And I said, my darling, do not apologize to me. I said, apologize to yourself. Oh, I said, let me ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ouch, ouch. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if I had stopped you when you were coming in, and if I had complimented you on your look, would you have taken off your bow tie? He held his head down and he said, no, I wouldn't have. I said, that's the problem. I said, that's the problem. I said, let me tell you what you did. You got up feeling good, looking good. You put on your suit. You put on your tie, your bow tie. You came into a room with other students who were dressed appropriately, but they were basic. They were basic. And when you looked around and you realized that everybody was basic, instead of you being comfortable and being the boss and being the king that you stepped out of your house looking like, you decided to remove your bow tie to be basic, just like everyone else. And here it is. The moment of truth, I call you out when you least expect it because you have started, you, 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 you planted an impression on me and I am now calling you out. That call out could have been a sponsorship, a scholarship, a promotion, a job interview. That could have been an opportunity and you failed it because you are trying to be like everyone else. And that is what I tried to tell people. I said, the next time you go into a room, you dress to impress, not for other people, but you do it for yourself. And he looked at me and he said, mom, you are such a nice guy. He said, mom, I promise you, this will never happen to me again. I said, don't promise me. I said, promise yourself. That is how people lose opportunities because we're so busy worried about how other people are going to view us. They're going to think that we're too extra. If you think I'm extra because I like to dress well, so be it. That has nothing to do with me. Your insecurities have nothing to do with me. If you want to wear flip-flops and maxi dress to a gala where you're supposed to be a gown, you're not going to make me feel inadequate or bad for, for wearing a gown. So Mr. Bowtie Guy today has been one of the greatest lessons where I tell my Caribbean people, stop sitting in the back of the room. What are you sitting in the back of the room for? Your front seat appearance. Put up your hand and ask your question. Be seen, be heard. Stop playing small. You know, um, so how much, of the, how much of this do you think is institutionalized and it's really like 
is is because of the pressures of society. So I mean, when we when we were kids, right, we we grow up, we just do whatever we want, right? Our friend, we have you have a black friend, white friend, Chinese friend, Indian friend. You don't you don't, you don't even really know the, the difference, right? You're just seeing you're just seeing people, right? You just you just behaving like how you how you want to behave, right? But I mean, you you go to you go to school, you go to secondary school, they they tell you on this uniform, they tell you put on, you know, you can't have any white swoosh in your black sneakers and all these things. So how much of this do you really do you find? Like, it's a big um, part. Holds back it's people's self expression, right? And huge part. Dress when clubs tell you they dress code and everything, and and they, or people tell you, hey, this this gala is semi-casual and you go there you go there and you, you go there in your suit and everything dress dress up and everybody else is in a shoes and a pants and everybody's comfortable yeah yeah but you see you have a standard and again i tell people your excellence is unconditional so you're going to show up and you're going to show out regardless of what other people say but it is cultural you see we tell people we tell ourselves we are taught at home church community, extracurricular, or society. And it's not a Jamaican thing. This is a Caribbean thing. We are taught that by somehow playing small and downplaying ourselves, it's humility. And, you know, humility is the best thing since sliced bread. You are not, you're, you're told that if you are too outspoken, if you are too vocal, if you're too self-assured and self-aware, and if you're too confident, you're extra. You are labeled. Let, and I want people to put, to, if, I, if I'm wrong, let me know. When we are our most authentic selves and we are showing up excellently, if we're straight A students, people label us, you're going like you're brighter than us. If we dress properly, you're going like you're better than us. We are labeled for being great at what we do. So after you hear that over and over and over again, what happens is that we start to tell ourselves, all right, we don't want people single us out. We don't want to be misfits. We don't want to stand out because in our culture, standing out is not being humble. Standing out is being bad. So we conform. We conform. No, that's it. That's itself, right? All right. So I wanna I wanna segue into your your media career, right? Because because the vet career is um is formally over. You can't, like you told me the other day, you can't you couldn't legally go and take care of anybody's animals because the, the Jamaica Jamaica accreditation board said no. <laughs> illegal business that you are talking about, you know, Kevin. That are some illegal business. All right. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, tell us what happened next, because for many people. People would, would um take that experience and be like, oh God, boy, what do I do now? I just wasted six or seven years of my life. You know, what do I do? Should I go and go and buy groceries, anything? What do I do? So tell me how you how you're able to. I mean, this word is so popular now. How you're able to pivot, pivot, mm-hmm. <laughs> pivot, mm-hmm. pivot mm-hmm. into into the media space, into that first PRO, that public relations officer role. Right. Um. I think. I think the first thing. By the way, Karen, I know you have two little kittens. Big up to to Ar- Archimedes and I can't remember what the other one name. Um. I. I think. I think we have two choices. I am someone who believes that you. You know, if you can't, I'm. I can't control everything, and so I can only take care of that which I can control. And so for me, I could stay home and I could cost the government and cost this and blame this and blame that and become bitter and angry, which only help, you know, holds me back. Or I could now say, all right, where do I go from here? And this is why I'm going to ask all your viewers, all your listeners to just dig deep. 
because a lot of gifts that we have and a lot of talents we have, we take for granted. You've, you've been a great speaker. You've just always been a great speaker. You don't realize that there is money to be made and there is a profession in being a public speaker. You know, maybe you are good at research, you know, you read a lot of books, but we take these things for granted and we don't realize that these can actually be the foundation for income. So when vet med locked them, the door on me, I said, boy, Jano, I said, what are you going to do? Because like most people, you define yourself by what you study. You define yourself by the dream that you had in mind. And when that mash up, you mash up. All of a sudden, you don't, you're not worth anything. And so I remembered getting a call saying, Terry Carell, you know, we have a job for public relations. I mean, I said, but public relations, I don't have a resume. They said, but we don't know nothing about no public relations. Who you offer me public relations? And they said, two years ago, when you were in Jamaica, something happened in a lobby and you took the initiative and you were able to, to, to relate to two parties in the space and everybody was able to understand and keep it moving. You had absolutely no, you know, allegiance to any of these people. And I was like, yes, yeah, so they were like, not many people can do that, believe it or not. If you can relate, we want to, 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 to hire you. Kevin, me never know, but you know, with the attitude of audacity, must say, all right, is an opportunity. And if God grant me this opportunity, then quite frankly, he has to equip me to deal with this job. I get in the job. I soak up every Jesus thing because learning is in the doing. After that, Mickey Horton James comes to me from from Spartan Health Club and says he's looking for a general manager. So I say, well, why you tell me that for? He said, well, when you were a chaperone one summer, you, were, you showed great organizational skills, great people skills, a lot of skills that, again, I did not even know were skills, soft skills. And I say, me don't know about the general management thing, but guess what? I'm going to take it. And I soaked up and I learned Media, people came to me and said, Terry, you know, we think you'd be a great person for media. Would you like to try live TV? I'm not qualified. I've never gone to carry Mac, but I said, sure. So my attitude has always been to learn, unlearn, and relearn. I'm not going to hold on to a traditional mentality of, well, you study vet med, you're going to look like a failure because you're not practicing. You know, you're, 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 you're not a doctor no more. So what the people them are going to say, I don't care. What I did was I opened up my mind and I hit everything. And I was just excellent in everything that I did. It also showed me and reminded me that people are watching you out of your season. So when my season wasn't here and I was just a broke student, I was still operating in my excellence. So people were viewing me out of my season, that when my season came, those persons who were on the outskirts now came to me and said, all right, we're going to help you in this season. So I tell people, you can't be excellent when you get the CEO job. You have to be excellent from the smallest role you get, because if you can't honor the small role, you can't honor the big role. So I've pivoted all my life, entering arenas that I have no business in, but telling myself, I'm going to do it anyway. Terry, so many, many of us inside of here, we don't know that you are, in fact, an introvert, right? And we, we discussed this, yeah. And I, and I try to tell people that I'm, I'm also introverted in a way too, but nobody, nobody believes me and they're not going to believe you. 
they definitely yeah. not going to believe, believe they never do they never do they never do so tell me tell me that first speak well, <laughs> that first that first speaking gig that you were given mm-hmm. like, how did you how did you go about preparing for that all right so so here's the thing um i don't believe in labels okay because labels can keep you in a box all right a lot of us when we find out we're one thing or another we stay restricted by the box. So I am an introvert. I am actually an INTJ. I actually did the test. Um, and I'm going to explain to persons that even though I'm an introvert, I do not allow the label to define how I move about in spaces. So not because I'm an introvert, it means I'm going to stay home, be shy, and be socially awkward. Um, I can separate the two. When I'm out of the public's eye, you know, I'd rather be at home reading a book Right now, Corona, all of us are staying home. For some people, they're tearing out their hair. For me, it is bliss. For me, this is, this is what I, I love and I thrive in a space where I'm just in my space. But public speaking is never an issue for me um, because to the core, I love people and I love connecting with people. And if I have a message, um, it's not about me, it's about them. So I think it depends on how you... Speak to yourself, the language you use to yourself. If you go up there saying, I am presenting a speech, I am presenting, I, 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 then yeah, a lot of your thoughts are going to come around and they're going to center you. But if you go on that stage or your Zoom meeting and you go, these people have come to listen to me speak. I am honored. The topic is stop playing small and I'm going to give off all of myself to see if I can inspire even one person. When I talk to myself and if we speak to ourselves and we are careful with the language we use, we empower rather than, 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 we, get, than, we, than we shrink. So uh, my introversion does not affect how I'm able to perform because my performance is never about me. It's always about who is receiving me on the other side. Right. So, Bean, tell us about that road to getting those international gigs now. All right, the road. Oh, I yeah. saw Karen say I'm now a website developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me get into that. Let me get into that. Go ahead, Karen Rose. So, how do you get the international gigs? You know, as Caribbean people, as people, you know, we, we like to talk about the destination. We acknowledge and we identify people who are doing amazing things at the top of their game and all of these big brands. And we're like, yo, why that can't be me? And I'm like, but it can be you. But what are you doing to get to that level? You can't be talking about the destination and you don't want to actually respect and trust the process. You know, these people never just grow big overnight. These people were consistent. And even though there were naysayers and people saying, you can't do this and you, they stuck to it and they stuck to it. And so how I started to book international gigs is showing up every single day as me. So my audience knows that what I say and what I do is actually me to the core. I'm not trying to go on a yacht to make it look as if I'm rich and like I'm a billionaire and I am going to now sail to Dubai for the weekend. I'm not trying to put on no impression for anybody. And I find that authenticity works. Respecting people, even in your captions, what you, the images that you use for yourself is not just to respect your brand, but it's to respect the persons who opt into your content. And then you don't tell them what you do, you show them. So I don't have to tell people, book me for your next event. I show them. I show them through the art of storytelling and I show them using clips 
with makeup, without makeup, hair comb, hair no comb. And you find that people, when they see you show up consistently all the time and excellence and authenticity and passion and integrity are always the common themes, eventually they start to reach out to you. They start to say, we would love to have you in Singapore, which I actually got invited to, Grenada, Domrep, Germany. The opportunities are there, but we are too busy playing small. We're too busy saying, no, son, I don't really want dash out so much because people might think I'm going too hard. Go hard. Because if you don't go hard for your own brand, and if you aren't your own cheerleader, don't expect other people to do it for you. You have to hype yourself and show what your value is or nobody else will actually acknowledge that value for you. So Terry, you know, um, you never, you know who's in gigs in Trinidad and Tobago? Where have you gone? You've disappeared out of my ears. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Sorry. Let's get some questions while, while Terry get them AirPods Can back in again. You? you hear me? Why well, can't I hear you? My audio has completely gone. All right, let's get the, let's get the questions while um. You might actually I, have to start typing. <laughs> That'll be funny. <laughs> I got you. I can hear you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you good? Sweet. Right. Yeah. So I was asking. So no hosting gigs in um Trinidad and Tobago. You you know. No, Trinidad. You know, no massive has ever invited me to Trinidad. I've been to Trinidad. Love Trinidad. Never went for carnival. I actually went and visited your pitch lake and I was, um, I got to go into a pan yard and they played the, the, the steel pan, the, the all stars. I went and go out to look on your, your, your Scarlet, Scarlet Ibis, Iris, Ibis. Ibis, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did all of uh, Maracas, your chow, your pom city. I did everything, but nobody has invited me to Trinidad. <laughs> Any trainees inside here want to invite Terry to come and host the event? Look, 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 look. Asha inviting you. Jamil is inviting you. No, Karen invites you already. I mean, Trinidadians, yeah. Yeah, I just need the invitation. Absolutely. And I will be Isn't your best friend a Trini? My best friend is a Trini. And she always, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, God. You know, but I know right now the border is closed. But um, I think what we do need to do, in all honesty, is I see a lot of, um, you know, these big international spaces inviting us. For those of us who are not afraid to be bold and to be daring, they invite us into their spaces. But again, even when it comes to the Caribbean, we're a little bit closed. We're very, very closed. We're very, very cliquish. And we don't realize that there's so much talent and knowledge and expertise in a lot of us but our own neighbors don't invite us and i don't know if we invite our neighbors either we tend to get a lot of their attention also hopefully we can change one podcast at a time you know when uh, <laughs> jameel is asking for the caribbean power lunch conference what do you think what do you think <laughs> i think that's a good scene i think that's a good scene <laughs> all right so, you know, we talk about being bold and expressing ourselves, right? But mm-hmm. many of us are, are quietly trying to do some good work, so, you know, some good, impactful work. Mm-hmm. But we're not comfortable. In, we're, not, we're not so, we're not as savvy with the social media. We're not comfortable with social media. Like, how do we do this? How, how do you time it? Uh, I mean, should we put this image? Should we put a video? What's the algorithm going to do? And all of these things. And it's just kind of, it's just like, oh, God. Yeah, well, let me just. Hiring. What's that? Hiring. 
tiring. Yeah, it's 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 tiring. It's tiring, right? And, you, and even when you like, you take your time to to craft a, a, a nice piece of content. What you think is a nice piece of content, you put it out. Uh, a few people, a few people see it. A few people like it. You know, so, right? You know, right. And, and, so it's right. like, it's like, how do you, how do you keep that fire in yourself to just keep going and keep being you as opposed to just kind of conforming and you, you see, my, cause you see what works, right? You see I me and a lot of people, all right, I'm going to be careful how I say this. Yes. Thank you. Right. I mean, so for those who are just listening, you know, in the, to the replay, you know, Terry is, Terry is, is, is pretending to be a thirst trap, right? But so how do we. In, yeah, so you see that it's conventional. People are selling, you know, thirst trapness or they're selling aspirational lifestyles like the whole Dubai, the boats, the water houses, and, and all of these things. Like, so how do we just, just authentically just get that confidence, just go there? And- all right. I just want to remind everyone who's listening, who's watching number one, being bold, being fierce does not mean loud. It does not necessarily mean loud or overbearing. All right. There is, there is power in what your brand is and who you are without being the loudest barrel, okay? So we don't want persons to think that by saying, you know, stop playing small, it means you must go everywhere and say, you're me, I'm rich. That's not what we're saying. Number two, building your brand, using social media, everything that we are doing in our lives is like building a house, brick by brick by brick. The house is not going to be built in a day. Rome was not built in a day. And yet still, we are, we, we're very harsh on ourselves. I think we're very hard on ourselves. And we believe that somehow success is going to happen overnight. Remember when I said, people watch you out of your season. People are watching you and they are lurking and they're taking notes even when you are not aware. You, I did not get all the international gigs five years ago. Three years ago, yet still there are some people who are reaching out now who've been telling me, Terry, I've been watching you for years. And now I have an opportunity and I want you to be a part of this partnership. So I think we also need to become very practical and very real with what our expectations are. My brand wasn't built yesterday. It wasn't built last year. This was something that was ongoing and it's happening over a period of years. And it is still, it is still ongoing. So I think we need to also... Be kind to what we say to ourselves where our brands are concerned and how quickly or slowly we build our brands. Three, specifically, as you're saying, people get caught up with brand guidelines and brand color and logo and a bag of things and them overthink and they try to position and posture to look and sound like what they think people want them to look and sound like. And what I'm saying is only you know what is best for you. I am a storyteller. I try to resonate on a very easy way. I don't ever think of what's the most beautiful photo I'm going to put up. What is my, my language that I'm going to use? I'm just completely honest. And what you understand is that when you're honest and you're consistent and you show what you believe in, what your core values are, and you post this every single day, listen, the community comes. I started with five likes. Then it went to 15 likes, 50, 1,500. But that takes, that, takes, that takes time. That now if I post something, my reach is, is, is far and wide. It didn't happen over time. And it doesn't mean that you have to try everything all at once either. Be patient. But you have to try. You have to practice because practice becomes perfect. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, I want you to tell us about you know the process of like actually creating that authentic content, right? Because because I mean, yeah, you so you're living you're living your authentic life. You're going about your day and everything. You you're teaching your daughter Spanish by having to play these games, which which I love, right? Thank you. But, but you want, but you also want to produce it in a way to, you know, so it's like you produce, you have the camera there, but you want to produce it in a way that it looks authentic. It looks real. It's engaging. It's fun. You know, it's, and yeah, cause you right. always have to keep, keep that, that marketing angle in your, in your back of your mind. That's, um, that, that's right. that psychology angle. Like, so how do you, how do you balance all of that? And I don't, well, I don't process? stage anything. I don't stage anything. And for persons who follow me on Instagram, they get a little piece of me as a mommy, as a best friend, as a, as just a, 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 a best friend in for the entire community. I don't try to stage anything. I don't believe I have to go and get a DSLR. I don't think I need to go and get this massive speaker because I, I'm just being me in my space and I'm just capturing moments. So the thing is, I am not producing content that is going to be high def for TV. I am actually just capturing moments that people resonate with. And again, it goes back to what is your objective and, 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 and how do you want people to see you and view you? For me, I don't want people to view me as polished. I don't want them to view me as perfect. So I speak about vulnerabilities. I speak about triumphs. I speak about failures. And I let them in so that they can see more of the person behind the brand. People like people. People want to do business with people they like. So if every day you get up, you're going to be very staged and very perfect and very polished and you're very hee hee hee, ha ha ha, nobody's going to fall for that. We're all, we're all going to be like, who is she fooling? Every day I get up, just how I'm here, I talk to my people just like this. I don't put on an accent. I don't try to dress up too much in the house if I know I do not dress up in the house normally. And I think that's what people overlook. They overthink and they try to go very commercial when they don't realize that your community appreciates when they can see themselves in you and through you. Yeah, fully, 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 fully agree. All right, Terry. So, But you must show up every day. Kevin, you, your listeners, you guys have to show up every day. Every don't day, Terry? Every single day. Oh, Lord. Terry, we busy, you know. Listen. We love to say that we're busy and we will make excuse for every Jesus thing. But you know what I know about Caribbean people? We make time for that which is important to us. Okay. We make time and we prioritize things that are important to us. So what I am saying is we can't all be talking about building our personal brands and expanding our territory where we don't want to show up. We want to build big audience, but you don't want to show up for the five people where you have now. You don't want to show up for the 10 people you have now. You have people who are cuss, then put up a flyer, and if the flyer don't get 100 likes, then take down the flyer. If you are inconsistent and if your excellence is conditional, meaning it is based on the likes and the amount of people you have, then you are not a brand. You're not really trying to build your brand. You have to show up every single day. You cannot repost or reshare things that do not align with your energy and where you believe in it. You can't try out everything, trying to be everything to everybody. Pick your lane. Know the vibe that you're working with. Understand the, the tribe that you're trying to attract. And you show up every single day. And I promise you, your tribe will come. 
All right, sorry. I'm going to give one more objection before we move on, right? Okay. <laughs> because this... Really? Yes, because this everyday thing, right? So what if I just feel like my... What if my life is not all that interesting, right? So the other night, you know, I think it was after I had my initial conversation with you, that three-hour okay. prep session, right? Yes. And I was like, all right, well, let me, let me, let me try and make this business valuation thing look cool. Because I was up in the morning running numbers in, X, in Microsoft Excel, right? <laughs> it, doesn't right. Get, it doesn't get more exciting than Microsoft Excel. So sexy, so sexy. <laughs> right? So I said, all right, let me do a little video. Let me make sure and hide the, um, the company's name that I'm valuing or whatever. Let me do a little video, zoom in, zoom on, pinch, and add some, um, some rap music with any background. So it was a cool video. And oh, I, you I, actually produced. You edited. You produced. I edited. I mean, so I had the music playing in the background as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was, that was something. Right? And I put that in my IG story. Two minutes later, somebody messaged me. A girl messaged me. And she, and she said, hey, can you introduce me to, that, to who owned that company? But I see all that profit they make it. I say, oh, Lord, let me delete this one time before, <laughs> before, before, I, before I get in trouble. So, you know, and, like that is, that is what I do during the day. So mm. I can't. So how do I show myself, you know, doing this kind of boring? Why did you delete it? The company was covered. The company was... Because there's financial information. Um, you're showing the profit. And I think that the tab, uh, like the first name of the... Like the file name of the company. Got you. Got you. You, know what, mm. you know what? I, you know when I started getting my gigs? I started getting my gigs when I intentionally started sitting down in front of this like orange wall that my Insta family will tell you, once this orange wall goes up, they know I'm coming to drop gems about something. What you do is something that a lot of people take for granted or they have no knowledge of, all right? What you should be doing, not that you should be, but one of the things that you could consider doing is, like, educate me. When you said you were a business evaluator, I was like, what, what? I was like, what the backside is that? <laughs> imagine, imagine if you... Based on the, the interviews you've done with the companies, the persons you've worked with, you know the frequently asked questions. You know the mistakes companies be making. You know where they're going wrong. You now get to be the authority and the expert to help business people position so that the value of their business could... You know how many people would value that? So can you imagine if Kevin, once a week, once a week, got up and is not interviewing someone and there isn't a collaborative effort. But Kevin getting up and saying, you know, one of the biggest things that hurt people's businesses is the fact that they, they upscale too fast. You know, they start earning a little bit of money and they upscale. You know what will do best for the valuing of your business? If you were to da 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 Suppose Kevin got up once a week and said, here are my 10 do not do's if you're a small business trying to increase your value. Do you know the shareability of this? And I want you to also understand, you might get a hundred likes under that. But you see, when you check out how many people saving your video, then how many people sharing your video, that is the value. I don't even look on vanity metrics. I'm not, I don't care about the likes. I like the shareability and I like the saves. Because each person taking my content and sharing my content with another network increases my visibility and my reach. And it is only when you start to do that and start to create content that is shareable will your, your community expand. It can't happen if you don't do that. So for me, 
I think people need to look at the unique positions they're in. What are people always asking them to help them with? What is it that people in their community have problems with? What is their problem? What is their pain point? All right, I'm going to sit down, do a little five minutes saying, guys, I realize that this is an issue that a lot of you are having when you do your website. You know what you need to do? Like Karen Rose. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. And that is why YouTube tutorials do so well, because people want to know how to fix a problem. So Kevin, once a week, show up on a particular day and the community will start coming because they want you as the expert to tell them how to increase the value of their business. Cesar, don't say or oh, every other week. Or depending on or, or depending on what your your situation is. <laughs> but what I'm but what I'm trying to drill down is the consistency. If you stand up at a bus stop waiting for a bus that passes every day, all of a sudden the bus pass Every other day, you do not know what time this bus is coming. You can no longer rely on this bus. You go to another bus stop. You stop waiting for that bus. So what I'm saying is you have to show up every day. You have to. All right. All right. All right. All right. So let's not... Um I mean, I want to be. I I enjoy this free this free coach, and I I really I really do. But I have to I have to, I have to think about the audience right now. You know, because we can talk after. I have to think about the audience, right? So. Okay, well, hold on. Somebody's asking, what if you've been in the business for many years? How do you, what, how do you mean? How do you mean, Nico? Um, Roxine, sorry. What do you, what do you mean? Hey, Rox. Right. Media. Okay, what's the question? <laughs> All right, so, we, we, so um, Roxine, you can type out that question and we'll, get, and we'll get to that during the Q&A session. All right, so Terry, right now, like, like I was saying, so many of us, many of us are quietly doing doing these things and not showing up enough on social media, like you just said. But we just we're in the middle of a pandemic now. The, um, companies have laid off people. Companies have cut their salaries. I actually saw a company file for bankruptcy yesterday. A very large. Yeah, company. I did as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right. People are stuck home, and not everybody are introverts like us, where you know they're comfortable home and everything. So. What do they do now? Like lots of people's income and slash. I mean, I know your income, your income has been threatened because you can't go and <laughs> you can't go and host events and stuff any right now. So what what have what have you done? And, and look at me just chilling. Say? Look at yeah, me like yeah. chilling since March. And since March, I literally saw my calendar of events right from March all the way down to um yeah this month May cancel because my job requires managing audiences that range from maybe 300 to the largest audience I've ever managed, like 3,000 people. So automatically, I'm like, oh, God, okay. But I give God thanks for Millicent. I just got my granny who teach me, listen, you must always say for a rainy day. You're always to be practical. And even though you're climbing your ladder of success, don't be stupid with your money. Make wise financial decisions. And even if you're making $2, save a 50 cents. Because even at the top of my game, I still save as if tomorrow is my last. And I can say only because I have that practical approach why I'm able to live comfortably right now for probably a couple of months, if not like a year. Um, number, number two, I understand any fear and anxiety that people have. I don't think everybody's expected to have their productivity being through the roof because we all have our realities and we have our challenges. And so the first thing I want to tell any of your persons, you know, watching and listening, 
is don't compare yourself to somebody else. You know, if you go on social media and you see some people grinding, they can grind big ups to them. If right now your mental space isn't there, be kind to yourself. Take the time to breathe and to, to figure out a good time to come out of it. Don't stay in it. Don't stay in it. But take some time to figure it out. The first three weeks of the pandemic, I was unproductive because I was in the process of what's going to happen next. How do I readjust? How do I re-strategize? And these are important questions for you to ask yourself. Your answer may not come in the first month. It may not even come in, your, in, in, in the second month. But what I, what I forced myself to do is to say, all right, Terry, you are in a very unique position now where you can rebrand, you can reinvent, you can now do all the things that maybe you said that you didn't have the time to do. And what I did was I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop my own website. And I got in touch with Karen Rose, and that's what I decided to do. We might be down, but it doesn't mean that we're out. And delayed does not mean denied. So what I would encourage persons to do, again, is to remind yourself you are not defined by what you start, you, 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 you're doing. So even if you were an accountant and you got laid off because you know, you're an accountant, what other things can you come and bring to social media? What can you talk about? What kind of community and, and, and expertise can you offer people? I've seen people literally switch their, their business model all of a sudden because they realize that they just have to. So for me, it is, there's no one way for everybody to do it because we all have different situations and we can't all do the same thing at the same time. What I will say is take your time be vulnerable, speak to your heart. What do you want? And think about practical steps to get to that goal. If you're doing an online class, it must be intentional to meet a goal that you want to do. Don't do an online class because everybody's doing an online class. So just be mindful of how what you're doing should be helping your brand when you come out of this because people are still watching and people still want to do business. So you still need to be present and purposeful indeed indeed you know so you, you talk about building that website right and building okay. <laughs> yeah right right so for people building a website it's like just like that good you know i don't know what was he jamaican version of that Guesa? i don't know i don't know so Jano. we said Jano. like god no right right so building a website is that is this mammoth task people see that as this as this mammoth task but you go ahead and, you know, again, not playing small, going big. You went in and, uh, of course, big up to Karen Rose every time. You, you, you hooked up with Karen Rose and you, and you got your website out. You know, so five, five weeks. Five, five weeks. Five weeks, right? So yeah. walk us through that experience. And do you think it's, it's easy for somebody else to do it? Or like, so tell us how that went for you. I think everything comes down to attitude. You know, I think in this season, I've heard the, the scriptures um, resonate inside of me, be still, be still and know that I am God, which means that even now when the place is, 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 you know, there's a lot of anxiety and fear and people don't know what to do. There's a lot of noise and distraction. Yo, be still, find some time for yourself to really figure out what you want to do. Um, I also thought of the scriptures for, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. So even at this moment, when a lot of us are uncertain, I feel like our season is still coming. But the scripture that I love the, the most says, faith without works is dead. 
which means that we still have to put in the work and we still have to prepare ourselves and our table in the presence of our enemies. And right now, COVID is our enemy. So I said, when this is over, I don't want to be the new normal. I don't want to start back over where I last left off. I don't want, if this thing ends in June or July, when people come back to Terry Carell, I still looking and operating like Terry Carell in February. Nah, I rebuke the hashtag new normal in the name of Jesus. I want to prepare my table because my season is coming. And when the feast goes on my table, it will be prepared. So what I did was I said, all right, am I happy with everything? No. Am I pivoting? What do I want to highlight? What am I going to do when this is over? And the website was a very good um, place to start. I have a good following on social media, but social media is not everything. I believe if you really want to have a strong online brand, then that means you have to kind of do your, your website. So I got to work with an attitude of, I can do this. This is for me. If I don't put priority on it again, nobody else will. I have to give myself this time. And I started the class. And if Karen gave me homework and said, go and do one page, I would come back with three pages. And if he said, fix out just this and this, I came out. And he's on, I don't know if he's still on the call, but. Yeah, 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 he yeah. Was, Karen, hey, he, drink, uh, he drinking, he, he had his wine chilling before. His wine. Time. He will yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. that he's my attitude, yeah, he'll tell you that my attitude is very all right because my excellence, again, you ask me for four, I'm going to give you 40. You are going to get your four. That's fine. But the 36 extra I'm doing for myself. And that is the attitude that I had. And that is what I implemented with my website. And the feedback has been nothing short of phenomenal. Yes. yes. TerryCarell.com, if anybody's asking. Yes, of course, terrycarell.com. And then you want to mm-hmm. see all Terry's links, go to terrycarell.com slash all things Terry. Whoa, whoa. And in this time, I tell people, experiment now. While everybody's down, you know, you were afraid of people seeing you. Experiment now. Try things now. Post now. See what works. See what time works on social media now is the time for you to experiment while people are doing a lot of things and so by the time you come out of it you would have come out a little bit more experienced where your brand is concerned you know terry so Mm -hmm. um, in another in another talk you gave you you spoke about learning to continuously learn and learning to fail right and when we look at your story i mean yeah there were some there were some setbacks here and there where you just you overcame you you doubled down and everything can you tell us, like, is there, is there a time where you actually failed? Like when you're the sick, Terry, but you didn't, yeah, yeah, you didn't do good today, you know? And how did you, you know, how did you recover from that? So in other words, what's your favorite failure story? My favorite boy, I fail a lot, you know, I've actually failed a lot. It's just that what people have seen is my desire to win in spite of the failure. Um, my biggest failure Ooh, we, you know, that's kind of hard. I think, I don't know if it's failure or if it was self-doubt. I think for me, um, in the areas that I stepped into that were all very new areas for me, I was always the most inexperienced and I was always the youngest. And I think sometimes we look at things that we 
believe are disadvantages and we think that we are put at a disadvantage because of those things and we don't realize how much we can bring to the table. So I think um, in a lot of the spaces that I went to where I wasn't qualified, there was a lot of self-doubt, you know, and, and trying to figure things out meant failing, meant getting draped up sometimes by your boss who expected something different. But what I've learned along this lifetime is that I can't take it personally. Like if I want to be the best at what I want to do, then I'm going to be criticized and I'm not going to get everything perfect. And there are going to be people who know more than me. And so for me, and if anybody wants a real good book to read, it would be the four laws of agreement. And one of them is don't take things personally. Um, because you fail, it doesn't make you a failure your failure and the language that you use may really means that it's a lesson. It's something that you tried. It didn't work. All right, get over it and let's try again. I can't think of a particular failure right now more than them being moments of trying to figure out spaces and territories that I was not familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you always, you also talk about learning to laugh, you know, to enjoy life. And, and we spoke yes, about, sir. We spoke about environments earlier, about the people you have around you and everything, right? So, and you, you, you talk about not having the people who drain your energy, the, the who is me, everything negative, you know? So, let's talk, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I think people take this thing for a joke. You know, people say you're the sum of the, the friends you have or whatever. I say, listen, birds of a feather flock together. We're Caribbean people, right? Show me your company and I will tell you who you are. Some of us, in life, and, and I'll give you an example. My daughter and I, I shared it with Instagram and people say I find a story in everything. I picked up my daughter one day from swimming and we went home, X, Y, Z. The next day I went to the car and the car smelled terrible, like a wet rag or a wet carpet. We searched the car, we searched the car, the car smelled bad. We wind down the window, I spray air refreshing the car smelled bad. Went back the second day, the car smelled worse. And I said, no, man. I checked the mats and I'm like, no, man, the car smelled really bad. I went into the trunk, opened up the trunk, and I realized that it was Naima's wet towel from her swimming session two days ago that was in the bag that was causing the car to smell dank, right? Mm -hmm. Took out the bag, carried the bag inside. I kid you not, I didn't leave my windows down, nothing. About an hour and a half, two hours later, I go, I sit in the car, the smell is gone. The smell is gone. And the only thing that came to my mind is that is how some people are in your life. Sometimes you wake up every day and you're just like this heaviness, this toxicity, this smell, like what is it? And you're trying to check and you think you're checking all of the different areas, trying to get rid of the smell. And you realize that you pluck a friend, a partner, whoever, somebody who is in your space, you decide to remove them and an hour later, yo, your car smell good. Your life feels lighter. And I think that is what we need to do. We audit other people's business more than we audit our own. Audit your life. Audit your friends. Audit the co-workers you choose to bring into your personal space. Not everybody is deserving of your energy and not everybody is deserving of your time. And the ones who are toxic, who are always negative, who always want so small people, yo, they got to go. They got to go. 
Because whether you like it or not, they, they, they play a part. They take a toll on you. And so when I look in my space, everybody just lively and happy and energetic. And if you feel down, they're like, no, let's keep going. Those are the people I want around me. And I'm not afraid to say, we cannot be friends if you don't fall within that, that line. I'm not afraid to say that. Love it, love it, love it. And it's so true, right? But on the flip side, what if we are that person who's always negative and heavy? What if we are don't, that worse me person? Don't take it personal. Don't take it personally. If you are negative, you know that you're negative. You know that you can be toxic. It means that you have to start working on yourself. You have to start working on yourself. We can't get up every day and blame people for not being able to put up with your toxicity. We, it is not fair for people's um, loyalty to be measured based on how much whippings they can take from you. And that is something we do as Caribbean people. To prove our love and will and our loyalty, we stay in toxic relationships. Because if we don't stay in it, we're going to look like a bad friend. Yo, sometimes you know when you, you need to know when to cut your losses. And if you are that negative friend, you need to step way back. You need to hold several seats. You need to have you need to, to work on yourself. You need to heal because you're bleeding over everybody. You are destroying meaningful relationships. So until you can find a healthier you and you can do your self-care and you can change your perspective and read it and maybe get therapy, not no wrong with the therapy. It's still a stigma in the Caribbean. Go and get your therapy. And when you're in a better place, now you will realize the difference. Now you will realize what you bring to the table and how people will receive you differently. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot, like a lot of therapy has been somewhat replaced with life coaches. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mental health is important and we need to stop the foolishness labeling people as mad. And, you know, people are embarrassed to say that their children are going to the therapy. Wives and mothers and husbands are afraid, especially if they're Caribbean men, they are afraid to say, boy, you know, I'm going to go and get some help because they're afraid of being mad. Let me tell you something. When we want to get our hair done, we go a hairdresser. When we want our nails done, we go a nail salon. When we want a suit, we know which boutique for go. And when we want to take care of ourselves, we know all the places to go. And yet still, when it comes to taking care of our mental space, it's hard for go a, 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 a therapist. Get the help you need. Your mental health is important. So talk about learning to fight against entitlement right i mean a lot of us feel like oh gosh man we deserve this we 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 work hard we we study this we got this program this master's whatever and we deserve this job we deserve this salary we deserve this this um this fee for our for our work or whatever it is like how do we how do we fight against that and how do we deprogram that I would love to tell people that meritocracy is something that's gonna happen life is life i keep on saying it control what you can control you know, the spirit of entitlement is a barrier. I think it restricts a lot of us because we're so hell-bent on having it hand to us, handed to us, dropping in our laps. And we think that, you know, because we get the master's and we have the PhD, we're going to get the corner office overlooking Manhattan skyline. And if we don't get it, stop, stop. Life has a way of humbling you. 
Life has a way of showing you that you're not in control. My first job paid me 20 US dollars a week. I worked from 8.30 to 5 and then 8 to 10 and I had one day off. And I will tell you, and it's, it's actually a blog that I did on my website. It was my first job at Sandals Montego Bay as a playmaker. 20 US dollars. And I could have said, but I am way smarter than this. Come on. You know, I graduated from Campion College. I was deputy head girl. I mean, my life is ahead of me. Why should I be running around the place for so many hours for $20? I could have said all of those things. But that is not my perspective. It's not my mindset and it is not my attitude. Honor the small roles. We cannot step into bigger shoes and we cannot follow bigger feet and we cannot follow bigger footsteps if we cannot simply show up for the small roles. And Kevin, I had eight weeks on that job. Eight weeks. And of the eight weeks, I was employee of the week seven times. What? The first week I showed up when they congratulated me in my department and said, congratulations, you're employee of the week. I thought I was employee of the week for the nine of us who were playmakers, only to find out that it was the entire hotel that voted me and I had just shown up six days prior. Why? Because I am not defined by my role. I don't expect anything to be given to me. I expect to earn my keep. And if it means working through a small role for $20 for a specific amount of time, may I go do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Because at the end of my eighth week, the general manager came to me and said, your name keeps on coming up. Guests are leaving your you know, letters. They're sending emails. We'd like to offer you a job. He said, these are the opportunities. People are watching you even when you do not know. And so when your excellence is unconditional, it means that you're going to do it all the time. And I had to look at the gentleman and tell him, thank you so very much. But I just got the scholarship to go to Cuba. And I told him I was going to take it. You have to be the worst. You have to be the best at your worst job, at your smallest job, at your smallest role. Because if you can honor that, you can honor the big roles and the big jobs and the big money and the bigger titles. <laughs> wow. 20, 20 US a month, man. And look at that. I love that. I love yeah, 20 that. a so, week, a week, 20 US a week. A week. Mm-hmm. a week, a week, right, right, right. Which was still crappy. So on the, on the flip side of that entitlement question, right? You know, we also need to be we also need to value our time and talent, right? And, of your, and your energy. Of course. Of right. course. But what, what I've learned is you have to take baby steps. Most of the time, you don't just come out blazing. A lot of the time, even though you're a PhD, or you have master's, and you have degree, and you have a whole heap of things, it's really experience. It's really experience. Life is not about academics. It's not about academia. It's really not about who's the smartest. It's who can relate. It is who is creative, who can adjust, who can adapt, who can be a great team player, who can be a great team leader. And guess where you find those things? You learn those things on jobs. And you don't, you don't learn those things by jumping into the cushy seat in the cushy corner office. Most of those skills that we learned have been in the jobs that rough, rough. 
But what I'm saying is that there comes a point in time when you've now elevated yourself, where you have the academia, maybe you have the academics, you have the experience, you now have the feedback that now you can say, all right, now I am in a position to bargain. Now I'm in a position to negotiate. Now I'm in a position to set my price, but I cannot set my price before proving myself. I can't. All right. So this has been excellent. We're about to go into q I hope everybody has been enjoying it. I haven't seen the, the messages, but I hope everyone... Oh, no, no. The messages have been on fire. I hope they've been enjoying it. I'm trying to be as honest, as open, and as transparent as I, I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. No, the messages have been on fire. So right, I've just, I'm just scrolling through the chat to, to, to read out some questions. All I'm seeing is, yeah, Terry, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kareen Simpson asked, what advice would you give to someone who has been in a career for over 20 years and mm-hmm. wants a change but doesn't know how? All right, well, the first thing I would ask is if you didn't have anybody judging you, if you didn't have anybody reporting to, what would you want to do? I think it's extremely important for us to know, take the opportunity to ask ourselves, what do we want to accomplish? What do, we, what, do we, what do we want to do for ourselves? If we could have one, if a genie drop in front of you right now and ask you, what is your wish? What would you want to, to, to do? Where would you want to be? What community would you want to serve? What problem would you want to solve? And I think when you start with those questions, it kind of helps you to define the industry or it helps to define the framework that you want to, to be in. Um, don't start from a place of, well, everybody's doing this or digital seems to be taking off. So I'm just going to digital because no, ask yourself, now that you've done 20 years in this and you've, you're good, what are your strengths? What are your expertise? And where do you see yourself? And what would you love to do? No holds bar. At the end of the day, I always tell people as much as possible. I believe in the Japanese concept, the Ikigai. I don't know if you guys know it. It is the, the, the reason for your purpose or it's your purpose, your purpose for reason. And what the Japanese, who, by the way, have the most awesome concepts and philosophies in life, say is that your purpose lies when four particular circles intersect. One circle is what do you love to do? Oh, your passion. But we know that sometimes we may love to sing, but we can't sing, which brings us to the second circle, which is, what do you do well? All right. The third circle is what would people pay you for? And the last circle is what does the world need? When those four circles intersect, that is your purpose. So for example, media, I didn't know I loved media. I knew that I loved the art of public speaking and relating to people. What I realized is that I was good at it. I realized people would pay for it. And I realized that it is something that is needed in the world, media, shows. And then I realized I was good at it. And I found out that when all of those four circles intersect, that's really where you find your purpose. So I'm asking that gentleman to sit down, do that circle, write down his strengths, what he loves to do, what he's good at, what will people pay for, and what does the world need? What problem can he solve? And see what he comes out with. And then he should go with the one that most suits him or her. Okay. 
All right. And um, all right, so rapid fire. So we have this quick one here from Monique. Do you do mentorship mm -hmm. for university students or graduates? Do I do oh mentorship? Oh gosh, if, if I got a dollar for every time I got that question, ooh girl. So I've been asked, and what I do is I make myself available very loosely. So people who come to my online platforms, they ask me everything ranging from they're going to go into a, biz, uh, a job interview, what should they do? Terry, I'm going to go do a presentation, what should I do? I, I make myself available. I'm usually very busy. And so what I've done is I have not committed to a mentorship program because I hate committing half-assed. And I hate for people to run me down and they can't find me when they need me. So I literally use my platform, my entire platform. And any question that anyone wants to ask, I always respond. And that is how I've managed to answer questions. You can also visit my website, hello at terrycarell.com, if you have a question you want to send, and I will definitely respond to you. Boom. And that website will be linked up in, the, in our show notes, and our summary notes. Okay, so we have a question here from Alicia Cooper, who's part of the Become Investable and Caribbean Power Lunch team. Mm -hmm. I'm involved in multiple businesses, and I love what I do. How do I decide what to put out there without seeming all over the place. Oh, girl, that's me. Girl, you speak, what's her name? Monique? Alicia. Alicia, my girl, you spoke to my heart. You spoke to my heart. So if we're going to go back to what we were saying is that we don't really believe in the traditional things. We don't really believe in how the tra people think traditionally, right? We believe in being multi-potentialites. I don't understand how as individuals, we're so dynamic. We love different things. We watch different sports. We eat different foods. We have different interests. Yet still, when it comes to our profession, we're expected to do this one thing and have this one goal. I think we're dynamic. And I think if we can be excellent at all the other things that we do and nothing loses its value, then sure. It becomes a problem when you do too much. You have too much on your plate. You spread yourself too thinly and then some, some area or aspect of the business falls short. So if you visit my website, you'll see that I speak, I do workshops, I host, I, help, I do online branding um, classes. I do tons of things, but, but I don't seem like I'm all over the place because I have everything structured. I have documented everything that I have done. I have my social proof. I have my testimonials and those things become a big part of people backing up that even though you might be doing a million things, you are still busting shot on all of them. So I think you have to audit all the things that you do or the businesses that you do and ensure that you're not leaking or falling behind in any of these areas. If you are, you might, you might either have to tighten up those ships or you might have to make a very hard decision, which is get rid of the ones that are extra baggage, that are not really bringing in anything or adding any value, and pay attention to the ones that are your biggest assets. Other than that, don't feel bad for being a multi-potentialite. Mm. Okay, so Ren-Nisha. Renisha, Renisha. Yes. Oh, right, right. You see, you see I'm sure she's Jamaican, right? You're the hyphenated name. I love it. Hi, Terry. Love you, hashtag Jamaican girl. I just started my YouTube channel and being authentic is my standard. How do I not oversimplify my brand? Where do I draw the line? 
draw the line in terms of, well, I believe, thank you for the question. Uh, I believe that we should not uh, mix a couple of things. Authenticity does not, and authenticity and transparency do not mean oversharing, okay? We have to be very careful with being authentic and being transparent and being open and being vulnerable, but we also need to be careful of oversharing. Yeah. And that is before you say something, you need to stop and you need to ask yourself, if I share this piece of information, can this affect me two months from now, two weeks from now? How can it affect or will it affect or can it affect the other aspects of my life? If somebody is Googling my name or you know, searching for me over the internet, is this something that I would want people to necessarily know about me? Would this be something comfortable? Those are serious questions we need to ask before we type, caption, repost, reshare. We need to think before we do. So for me, my online community will tell you, oh, I am authentic. Everything I post, people can see right through that what I say and do, they can see my passion, which means that if you speak with a certain level of confidence, authority, and passion, you will never oversimplify. But my community also knows that I'm private. They know that I'm very mindful and very intentional about what I say, how I say it, to whom and when and where. And that is something we need to all practice when it comes to our brand on and offline. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we're going to pull, we're going to take three more questions because we had, we, we, we just, uh, just over 10 minutes away from that three o'clock mark or the two o'clock mark. Uh, so long with you? Really? Long time. All right. So the next question comes from Roxine. How do I rebrand myself on social media? Do I pull from life experiences to speak to my community, as you put it, Terry? Yes. Yeah, so um, thanks for the question, Rox in the Box. Um, two things for you. Uh, one, we all think, we all assume that people know what we do. You know, we look in our people bios and we say, Aquarius chick, God before all, lover of patties. <coughs> That's great and all. I know you're being authentic. You're a foodie. Yeah, I get it. That says nothing. I don't know what you do and I'm going to keep on scrolling. So I think people need to, even those of us who are rebranding, we need to be very intentional about what we say in our bios. And we must not be afraid to point out the what we do and the community we serve. All right. So number one, make sure that you're optimizing and make sure that you're utilizing and maximizing all your online platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or your website, to make sure that when people drop on it, they can see what you're about. Which brings me to my second question. When you're posting, for example, in Instagram, it would be nice if your first three to six grits actually had some kind of social proof of what you do. So it is hard to say that you are an event host if there are absolutely no photos with you actually, or I don't know, host your events so now you need to be intentional about documenting what you do which a lot of us don't we go we do the job and we cut get a friend get a tripod get your phone put it up at a particular part put it on record and capture moments that you can now use as content which will back up what it is you do lastly in rebranding Look back and audit the things that worked for you, right? The things that were going well, that are your strengths, and the things that weren't really working. And then you adjust. So maybe you didn't do video before, do video now. 
Maybe you weren't vulnerable before and you didn't share your, 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 your background or your backstory. Share it now. Be a little bit more human. Were you engaging before? If you weren't, engage now. So those are probably the, the, the first things that I would say. Get in line. Don't worry about logo and brand guidelines and color. Those things don't really matter. It's you showing up consistently and proving what you do, how you do it, and who you help. This, these questions coming in hard. Okay. What platform do you think is best? This is from Kwame, Kwame Gale. What platform do you think is best, Terry? IG Live, Facebook Live, posts, blogs, podcasts. There's so many platforms. It, it depends on what your objective is. Well, first of all, I think if you, if you are on this um, earth, you should have a website. I really do believe that um, because social media, even though it's free and you get to open up your accounts and everything is just so simple. I've seen last year where WhatsApp popped down, Instagram popped down, LinkedIn popped down, and a lot of persons were bawling about the impact that it had on their business for the day. Um, whereas if you have your, your, your website, you control your own narrative. So the first thing I would say is if you can, um, WordPress and a lot of these different uh, Wix, they're free. So it doesn't have to be a 10-page website. If you can just have a place that you can control your own narrative, I think that's very important. Also remember, not many people are on, not everybody's on social media and people are still going to Google as their number one search engine. So I think um, investing in a website and just putting a couple of photos and just little information would be helpful. If I had to choose two um, uh, platforms, LinkedIn would be my first social media uh, platforms simply because those are persons who are strategically trying to look business, collaborate, hire. These people are professionals. So if you are in the professional space, that is where opportunities locally as well as internationally usually stem from. This, the, the other social media platform, I would say, depends on what it is you are doing. If you have a product or service that is very visual, then Instagram is the one for you. If you are a chef who does recipes, then maybe YouTube is the one for you. So I think you have to look at your product or your service to determine whether you do Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, in my, in my opinion. Okay, so we're getting more and more questions. And I want, I want to know, um, audience, say yes if you're willing to go beyond the hour. Terry, say yes if you're willing to go beyond the hour. No, I'm here to help. I see somebody say, for example, how do you feel about Caribbean people saying they're specifically here to Caribbean people? Um, and should we brand that way? I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with creating products and services for our Caribbean people. We are a market. We have money. We're spending money. We're doing online shopping. We have e-commerce. There is nothing wrong with us having products and services that help to strengthen our Caribbean nation. And you'd be surprised to know how many people from foreign, big foreign, are looking to us, the experts who are, you know, becoming experts in our niches to help them understand the Caribbean landscape much better. So I don't think there's anything wrong with making your niche Caribbean, as long as you're bringing valuable content to the Caribbean, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that niche. All right. So, all right. So as we get ready to head into overtime then, um, Chantel asks, how do you come out of your shell without thinking about what people will think? Uh, you just answered your question, my baby. You just answered my question. 
Right now, the most limiting factor for most of us is the fact that we give too many people power, their opinions, power. And a lot of the time, we think they might say or feel something and we're assuming. You know how many people said to me, Terry, you know, I thought when I did my first video, because you convinced me to do my video, I thought people would have told me it was bad and I was terrible and I was this. And she said, you know what I get? I get a lot of support. I got I got feedback that I didn't anticipate because we're all expecting it to be negative. That's another thing that we do. Why we always assume that people's opinions are going to be negative. Sometimes people just need to know what it is you can do in order to cheer you on. But we can't expect them to cheer us on sometimes if we ourselves not putting ourselves on display. So number one is to forget about them. Forget about them. Progress is not made by thinking about other people. Apple, Amazon, Oprah, all of them people wouldn't be where they were if they listened to people. People said that Apple and the phone, the iPhone was never going to work. Look at them now. Forget about people. You are who is important. You are the voice that matters. And with you, practice becomes perfect. So it's not that you're going to reach a stage, a state of perfection one time. What it means is every day you have to get up and you have to try something, which I, I when I train persons who want to get better in public speaking, every day you get up, you practice, you practice in the mirror, you practice with notes. And eventually over a period of time, you no longer practice in the mirror. You practice in front of a friend. Over a period of time, you no longer practice in front of the friend. You no longer use your notes. You're now using Little, little cue cards, cheat cards, and you keep on practicing and all of a sudden you're walking across a stage by yourself with all of your notes in your head that comes with practice. So if we're going to come out of our shell, it means stepping out in spaces. It means participating, volunteering, getting involved in things, taking responsibility instead of not wanting to be the team leader in this group, I, I, I'll volunteer to be the team leader. It's only when you push yourself out of your comfort zone will you be able to come out of your shell. You can't grow if you're still going to hold on to the very shell that you're in right now. Yeah. yeah. So Alicia Cooper, again, she asked, do you recommend documenting the journey when you're now starting out in the absence of social proof? Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. A lot of people think that the journey and the documentation and the creation of content starts when you're on top of the world. No, it starts in your basement. It starts with you if you're making a hair product and you start in your kitchen. You see, those, that type of content, that is the gold. Because when your business now becomes great and you now have vid, I get goosebumps. Oh, Jesus. And you now have videos that show where you are coming from. Or maybe you did have a bicycle, but you show that this is how you get to work. Like a girl in Jamaica who showed you she have on her uniform and her heels and is a bicycle she ride every day to go to work. Those matter because you're showing the community that this is what you have to do. Or you love what you do so much that you're willing to sacrifice. And don't worry, it may seem stupid. It may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but I promise you, it's those videos and it's those stories that do the best on social media. Those are the ones that go 
viral. So even when the, the, the testimonials aren't there as yet, people will admire your attitude. They will admire your sacrifice. They will admire your dedication and your commitment to what it is you're doing. And they will even know pitching and support. You will now see people asking you, how can I help you? You know, I can give you the bottles. You know, I can make you labels. But if you don't put yourself out there a little bit, you actually will never understand the support that is out there for you. So yes, start documenting as small as you think you are because that is really the, the documentation that people love to see. Yes. So Wendy Wallace asks, Terry, how does one who nobody knows build mm. their brand and garner interest? So you, for example, you won Miss Jamaica. You host a popular Jamaican show. I think she's right. referring to the um, Rising Stars. Did you say Rising right. Stars? Right. And so you had the platform. So I didn't. I didn't. Because at the time when I did Miss Jamaica World and I, and, I, and I did it for the year, reigned for the year, went back to Cuba, finished my final year. When I was doing public relations, I wasn't on social media. I had disappeared. I had fallen off the face of, 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 of Jamaica, actually. I was in my little space, in my little lane. I never really know about... So I think only Facebook was, was there and I was only uh, a private... I had my private page and I only had a couple of friends there. I wasn't using social media. I disappeared. And when I went to Spartan Health Club as the general manager, I still wasn't using social media. You want me to tell you when I really started to use social media in... 2012 or 2011 and i started using it just before i landed um digicel rising stars i started to show up in my space i'm telling you when i started using instagram i had five likes it never matter who i was it, it, it uh, well apparently it did not matter who i was no, did my page pick up when I started um, Digicel Rising Stars? Yeah, it did. But you know what is funny? I show up on Digicel Rising Stars for three months in the entire year, and then I disappear. My numbers do not grow during Digicel Rising Stars. My numbers grow astronomically outside of the period of Digicel Rising Stars, which means it's my content that I do outside that is really pulling people in. On LinkedIn, when I jumped on LinkedIn in May, a year ago, I am now at 31,000 um, thirty-one followers. Most of those persons had never heard of me before. Terry Curl was a nobody. They didn't know me as a Mystery Maker World. They didn't know me as a, a media, a host. And because they didn't, I doubled down. When I joined LinkedIn, I said, I'm going to post in the morning and I'm going to post in the evening. And I did that every day for six months. And that is when Paris come around, Grenada come around, Singapore come around. So what I'm saying is a lot of persons on social media now have big numbers who were nobodies. Yeah, I might have had the digital rising stars to give me a boost, but it is up to me to capitalize with my platform. Outside of digital rising stars, I need to show people who I am, what I do, what I value. That is why people come to my platform. They don't come to my page because I host Digital Rising Stars. Most of them don't watch Digital Rising Stars. They're watching their Netflix and they're watching their cable. Most people who watch Digital Rising Stars are your rural people who still watching free to air. So I guess what, what I'm saying is you can't, you shouldn't, not that you can't, 
don't use the fact that nobody don't know you now as an excuse or, 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 or to say you can't build a brand as big. There are people who have more followers than me, millions of followers locally right here who nobody knew, who never have no platform, who don't host nothing. They have a million followers, 500,000 followers. So I think it has to be, doesn't matter who you are, if you have value to offer to the platform, you have a community that you want to serve and you are helping to solve a problem and you show up for these people every single day, they're going to come. Will you get 10,000 people in uh, a month? Maybe not. Maybe not. I didn't get 10,000 people. So I literally, and I have not deleted one post. I think if I go back to my original post, you would see what my community was like. Small infinitesimally small and it's just that people liked me they genuinely liked what I represented and so people started to share me with other people and I think that's what we need to concentrate on we need to concentrate on what our uniqueness is and what we bring to the table and we need to be consistent with our message throughout I think that is the most important thing regardless of who you are I've seen people who are hosts on tv now who are still not pulling numbers and still not building a community because they haven't figured out how to, even though they're on TV. So even though people are popular, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have meaningful communities. It really comes down to what you're putting into your community, really. So I hope I pronounce this name correct. Um, it's GW, it's Gladys, G-W-L-A-D-Y-S. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume Gladys. G-W-G. G-W-L-A-D-Y-S. Gladys. Gladys. Yeah. So, Ms. Fila asks, Terry, how do you go about building your presence in a field that is almost non-existent in the public space? By making it public. Hey! By making it public. Nothing is nicer, I think. I find people who are doing unique things extremely fascinating. You know, um, people look at particular industries and they think that only because the industry is cool, they're the ones that deserve to be on social media. It is what you choose to do with what you do. So the public space isn't there. That means that you won't be competing with anybody because everybody else is busy playing small. So guess that what that means? That means that that is a perfect opportunity for you to show out. It means that when people are searching for that particular industry or when people are looking for a particular person, guess who is going to be the only person online? You! I think that is brilliant. And I think that that is your, that is, that is your opportunity right now. And I promise you, when you boss out, watch how other people in the space who do what you do are going to take your lead. But my thing is, if it isn't in the public yet, put it out in the public. Strategize. Position yourself and position yourself as the expert and the authority in that space. And you're the only one floating around. Boom. So Melinda Bell and hi to Melinda Bell. Shout out to Barbados. So Melinda, (laughs) Melinda asks, how do I find my brand voice? Oh, baby girl, that's so like you need an online branding session, boo. That's so like we need to hook up. Um, your branding, your, your, your brand voice is unique to you, okay? 
Um, and it does not matter if you love the same things as other people or you do the same things as other people. That's not what matters. Your brand voice is your tone, your message, um, your happiness, your fulfillment. Um, do you get a sense of purpose when you write your caption or is your caption empty? Are you writing this caption because you're expected to write this caption or because it's someone day that's going to get up and write the caption? Or are you driven by what it is you're doing? Because I find when you are truly passionate about what it is you're doing, it comes out in everything. It comes out in your body language. It comes out in how you speak. It comes out in how you deliver and how you engage and how you communicate. These are all things that make up your brand voice. More importantly, you want to ask yourself, what do you want to be known for? How do you want people to view you? How do you view yourself? Yeah? How do you want your brand to be viewed? All of those things have to come together to form what is called brand harmony. And it is how you communicate all these things that become your brand voice. So it goes back to the core question. Yeah? What do you love to do? What makes you feel fulfilled? Where do you think your purpose lies? Who you want to help? And that helps you know, and your core values. And now all of that helps you to, to, to formalize your brand voice. So for me, over years, people look on me and say, Terry's an advocate. She's an activist. She stands up for people who, who, who don't have the strength to stand up for themselves. Terry is of integrity. Nobody's going to be able to, to pay Terry money to have access to her community. Terry only endorses and speaks about things that she knows as fact, that is tried, tested, and proven. Over the period of time, by sticking to a certain um, quality in my communication, that has become a part of my brand voice that has been amplified across my different um, platforms. And so you always have to be careful of what you see in yourself, how you view yourself and how you want other people to view you. And that is really your brand voice. I don't know if you, I don't know if that is everything, but I'm trying to kind of capture everything in a nutshell for you. Yeah, man, that's, that's solid right there. And uh, Melinda is actually a personal finance coach. She was actually interviewed on Caribbean Power Lunch episode 48. So nice. anybody wants to hear more from Melinda, go to CaribbeanPowerLunch.com slash zero four eight okay. she was she was she the one who asked about um in the public space no she's the one who just asked about the brand voice about the brand voice oh absolutely and we can speak um afterwards as well we can organize something afterwards to help you look sure. at what that would look like absolutely excellent excellent okay so gabby asks what subjects oh i love this question what subjects or majors do you think someone should take if they would like to be a public speaker like yourself Life. So in Cuba. <laughs> life. Life. I think life actually makes you a great public speaker. Do you know how many people who I know have gone to, who've done online speaking classes, they've gone for speech therapy, they've done every Jesus thing by the book, and they still have a very hard time speaking? And I don't think it's a subject necessarily that can be taught. I think the areas of importance are personal development, yeah? Because I think when someone develops themselves personally, they kind of understand themselves. There's, a, there's an awareness. It makes it easier for them to actually be public speakers. Uh, I think people need to read. 
And again, these are not necessarily subjects, and this is just my opinion. Eh? If you ask somebody else, maybe they'll give you something else. I think that you have to read a lot of the public speakers, if not most of the public speakers, and those of us who do very well and are paid a lot of money. It's because we read a lot. Last year, I read 45 books. And each time I read a book and I go on a stage, I'm able to pull information from a book I just read. It increases your vocabulary. It increases your reach. It increases your knowledge across industries. We cannot be stuck with the knowledge that we think we have based on the exposure and the experience we have and think that we're going to be able to impact and influence large audiences, which means we need to now soak up information from reading. Uh-huh. And number three, I don't think it's a subject. I don't think it's a subject. But it is the art of storytelling. People always ask me to do a class or to do a, a, an IG live on storytelling. Public speaking, I keep on telling people, is storytelling. It is communicating and it is connecting. When we talk about public speaking, people think of large crowds and big stage and microphone. And it's this big, you know, overrated thing. When really and truly all people want you to do is to talk to them, to meet them where they are, give them stories and anecdotes and give them practical solutions to fix something in their lives. It's the same way you would talk to your friends. But somehow when we talk about public speaking, oh, we got crazy with it. <laughs> I love it. And I, I, love, I love that energy. And I love that energy. Crazy. Right <laughs> personal, personal development for sure. Because I think you need to increase and, and learn mm -hmm. how to build your confidence. Yeah. Personal development is important. And that is something that is ongoing. Because I think if you can get your confidence in level, half the battle is won. And then, of course, after that, it becomes reading and it becomes opening yourself to new experiences, new people. And then, of course, it becomes really learning how to take a topic and instead of making it boring and institutional and like a robot, starting off by saying, you know, my mother never invested in um, stocks and, and shares. Neither did my grandmother because, you know, financial literacy was just never something that they thought about. For them, financial literacy meant putting money in a savings account and it meant just going to a good school and graduating. And yet now that I am an older person, now that I understand the power of having shares, instead of giving my daughter another Barbie doll for her seventh birthday, what I did was I gave her her portfolio. She has her own investment, her own stocks and her own shares. And the reason why I do that is because I want her to learn financial literacy. I want that when she gets older, I am not a burden on her. I want her to be, I am speaking about financial literacy, but I'm not coming to you from a level of financial literacy as defined by the Oxford Dictionary is. No, I am coming from a place that most of us as Caribbean people know. Most of us save our money, but we do not invest. And we keep on living check to check and we spend all of our money on our education. We do not spend any money on our retirement. And then when our children get a little bit older, they're so busy trying to take care of us because we didn't make good financial decisions that they don't get to really spread their wings. Black rotted tax. I am that kind of speaker. 
I am speaking to you at the level where you get understand because you've experienced it because your parents experienced it and your parents' parents experienced it. And I am now going to show you how I am making a practical change in my life that will benefit my daughter and myself. It is the art of storytelling. And so that is what I will train people to do. Don't go into a, a, a class or a subject thinking one thing is going to teach you. It's a lot of things that are going to come together to make you a great public speaker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just add my little two cents to that because I've always been a shy person growing up and everything. And public speaking is something that used to give me like like crazy, yeah, crazy anxiety. Like even, like even now, like even just coming to do a podcast or when I go to host a wedding or something like that, I, I, I feel it in my stomach. I have to do my breathing exercise. I have to stretch. I have to jump up and down. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole shebang, right? But mm-hmm. what, what, what gets me able to deliver? And which I think deliver, I deliver okay. I deliver well. What, what, I, what gets? I think you deliver I, well. Being modest, you have to be modest, right? What, I, what I think helps me to to get to deliver well is that I always tell myself, Kevin, this is not about you, you know, it's not about how you look or how, if you sound smart, if you, you look good or, you know, whatever it is, it's about the audience. It's about the people you're here to serve. It's about making sure that they have a good time. They learn something and they, they have something to take away. So even right now, I'm sitting here with you. We're on Zoom. We had, we had the room. We had a pack room. Right. Um, for, for, the, for the full two hours and two hours plus. is is never about me sounding good as a host it was about okay how do i get how do i get the best out of terry how do i get to 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 express to go deeper than than she might have gone before you know mm-hmm. so that all so the audience could could feel it and you know and we see the we see the audience feel um feedback and everything so yeah i always say make it bigger than yourself yeah you for know, sure like, you're a public speaker or anything that you're doing for sure yeah. i've seen persons in my instagram tell me terry i've written a book Terry, I've applied for the college. Terry, I was going to drop out of school, but because, you know, I watch your videos and you just seem to push through regardless. Like, you push through and you still show up for us. You know, I figure the most I can do is show up for myself. I have so many stories of persons who are a part of my community who within maybe months of just, which is why I'm saying you can't just tell people, you have to show people. You can't just preach it. You have to practice it. And when people see you doing it, there, there's this extra burst of energy where they think that they can. And I think that, that feels much better when you know that you're serving your community. So for me, whenever you get a topic, if you're invited to be a public speaker, don't just look at the topic as a static topic. Ask, how does this topic apply to me? How does this affect me? How has it affected my family, persons around me? Because I will tell you, I do not accept all speaking gigs. If it's a topic that does not align with my brand, I'm not accepting the job. I don't care if they're paying me. Uh, I will not accept a topic that I do not have enough knowledge on. I'm not doing it. So, Because some people accept all things because they want to be on a stage and they want the social proof and they want to be able to post. That can damage your brand if a lot of people go, yeah, she was the public speaker, but Jesus, she was terrible. She was totally off. So I say... Be very intentional and strategic about what topics you decide to speak on and make sure that those topics, you not only bring knowledge, you bring solution, you bring stories and you bring real life jokes because there's always jokes in these journeys, not trying to think about it too hard. Right, right. And Fiesta, oh, I love this name. Fiesta Gooden. Ooh. Asked, 
Yeah, man. I like that name. I gonna, yeah, that's a good name for my daughter, man. Fiesta. I love that. Fiesta Valley. All right. So, hey, Terry, what Hi. kept what kept you going for six months when you just started on LinkedIn? And do you ever feel like what you're doing isn't working? And how do you get over that? Girl, when I first started LinkedIn, remember I tell you, nobody never know Terry Carell. I step on LinkedIn. LinkedIn looks different. Them have features. I don't even know what's going on. My bio outdated. My profile outdated. I do have a no profile photo. I say, mighty God. That means that I'm starting from scratch. It means that I do not have a spirit of entitlement. It means that when I step into an unknown territory, I do not feel like because I am Terry Carroll and I'm well-known on Instagram or I'm well-known in, 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 in Jamaica, it means say, yeah. Uh, me, me just I got done. The, like, no, I literally went on LinkedIn, and the first thing I did was I researched the platform for a solid week before I did every before I did anything, because my favorite word in this in this entire world, two words, intentional and boundaries. Those are my two favorite words in life, and I studied LinkedIn for the week, looked around, saw what people posted, how they posted, when they posted, why they posted the words they used, the language they used. Then I said, uh, okay, I'm going to take from this what will help strengthen me and the, the rest that I don't think has anything to do with me, I'm not going to do. And when I first started to post, I got very little engagement. Very little engagement because, again, nobody knows you yet. And by, I'm not even going to lie to you, by my first month, I started to get engagement because people started to share my content. And, you know, even now with 31,000 persons, uh, followers, if I post and my post doesn't do well or doesn't get great engagement, again, I do not take it personally. Not because people didn't engage with it means that it wasn't valuable. It doesn't mean that the content doesn't help someone. It doesn't mean that the photo isn't necessarily good. It could have been the time that I posted. You know, it could have meant that people were not on LinkedIn at the time when I posted. And so I think when it comes to algorithms and when it comes to platforms, don't get discouraged if you don't see the numbers. It means maybe you have to experiment. So it is by experimenting, I found out what was the optimal time for me. I found out that, okay, when I posted between 7.30 and 8 o'clock in the morning, most professionals were already on the platform. Okay, in the evening around 5.30, 6 o'clock, that's when most people, so I didn't take it personal. For me, it's like, all right, you're new. Experiment. You have nothing to lose. Like one month ago, you weren't even on the platform. You weren't on the platform. You didn't have any online presence. So if you get one like and one comment, it's better than what you had before, right? And the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is that when people like or comment on your platform, the people who follow them see what their activity is like and that's how people come over but if you're not posting um, content and if you're not experimenting then you won't really know how to post or when to post so what i will say is start easy start slow put up a schedule make up your mind you're going to post once a day are you going to post once a week if you say you're going to post once a week then say all right twice a week all right and then you keep on you keep on increasing as you go along. For me, I went hard and fast. Once in the morning, once in the evening, every single day for six months. I did not feel entitled. I felt I had to work as hard as everybody else. And now 
even in COVID, when I backed off of posting on LinkedIn, because I'm working on my website, my personal brand got so strong and big and consistent on LinkedIn that even when I am not posting right now, I'm still seeing the residual effect. People are still commenting and, and in engaging with content I've posted before. So just keep at it. Keep at it. Don't stop. The numbers will come and the conversion will come. Galaxy S8 Plus user asks, how does one recover <laughs> with how does one recover or cope with verbal abuse in the workplace or someone who tries to belittle you, especially when it affects your mental health? You know, this reminds right. me of the days when I used to get when I was working in the bank and you know, I, you know, I used to come late sometimes and say, hey, Valley, what do you, you know, this and that, you know? But I don't know. I mean, I want to hear your, your take on this story. No problem. First of all, Galeon, thank you so very much. She said she found this meeting on my LinkedIn today. Thank you so very much. Um, to Galaxy S8, um, that's a very good question. Uh, we, we actually, um, we experience verbal abuse from people closest to us, from our partners, um, husbands, wives, um, our common laws, children, best friends. You'd be surprised to know how many people experience verbal abuse on a daily basis and every single day it chips away at their confidence and it chips away at you know, who they think they are. The first thing I'd want to ask um, to probably get a little bit more insight is what kind of verbal abuse in the workplace? Is it coming from coworkers or is it coming from like management roles, supervisor or, or executive managers? And the reason why I ask that is because I'd want to establish if this is a power trip from higher to lower, or is this horizontal? You know, your coworkers are, is it, that you're is it that they're jealous? Maybe you're employee of the month and they just hate the fact that everybody likes you. Your performance tasks are always done on time. Maybe you show up everybody else. I, I don't know enough. You it's know what I mean? Like, Galaxy, yes, it says the boss. Ah, the boss. Okay. The boss. Okay. All right. And so what I would now have to ask myself is, is this boss and is this business worth staying in? Because if a boss is verbally abusing me, it means that the boss has absolutely no respect for me. It probably means that that boss is very egocentric and regardless of what I do and how I do it, even if I do it efficiently, that person, once they're starting off a relationship with no respect, they're never going to give it to me. So now I have to evaluate if this is worth it, because it sounds like it's not worth it. And if it's your boss, you're always going to have to deal with that person who has the power over you. That person has the power play. So if it were me, what I would start doing, especially if I know it affects my mental health, is I would start brushing up my resume. <laughs> I would start fixing up my, 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 my CV. I would start going out for jobs. I would start actively looking for another place because I would not be staying with that boss. I do not stay in any circle, any space, if people are not going to respect me. Bottom line, I'm not doing it. I don't know what your, your situations and your circumstances have been, you know, and if you have the opportunity to branch out, but I know for a fact my mental health comes first. And if my mind is broken, the rest of me is broken. I will not be able to grow will not be able to expand, will not be able to be a better version of myself if my mind is broken. Therefore, whatever is disrupting my mind has to go. 
So I would start actively looking for another job. I don't want to try to change the boss because the boss is already unchangeable, unshakable. So I leave in him or her, them toxic self, mm-hmm. and I'm leaving the office. But I'll be doing the groundwork underneath before I do. Bad energy, stay far. All right. So Gabby asked, Gabby again, she asked, what advice would you give young entrepreneurs? She needs to know how to, who needs to know how to grow an organization based on charity and empowerment of youth. Um, be specific. That's number one. Everybody coming out. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing because what you're doing is amazing. What the problem is, is that everybody comes out being very vague. Yeah, we're helping youth empowerment. You know, we were a charity helping youth. What does that mean? What does that mean? Young entrepreneurs have to become very specific and very granular about what that means. People talking about GoFundMe, people have been conned out of money. People need to understand the, the niche that you are assisting. So, for example, I don't just say youth empowerment. I do charitable work in vulnerable communities that specifically target girls and women who have been victims of sexual and domestic abuse. I become very, very, very granular. So for any small business person or any small young entrepreneur who wants to be doing help, it can't be vague. You can't help everybody. You can't help every group. So you have to be, be, be more specific so that when people understand the community you are serving, the right people will then start to align with you. So when I say sexual abuse, domestic abuse, I now get support from people who also have experience in that area. But when you say youth empowerment, is that in literacy? Is that special needs? Is that disabled? Is that the deaf community, blind community? Is it young between early childhood? Is it adolescence? I don't know. And so the generalization is going to make you be very diluted very, very quickly. Everybody's going to look at you and say, all right, yeah, yeah, cool. So unless you narrow it down and you start to work in that specific niche, nobody's going to take you seriously. Too vague. Too vague. All right. So we're going to take two more questions and we're going to wrap. This is the longest podcast I've ever done in my life. Me too. <laughs> and and I thank many. everybody for being here. I thank, I thank everybody who came in at 12 and are still here. Thank you so very much. Oh my, oh my. Yeah, this, is gonna, this part, like, Karen, Karen Rose in the beginning of this podcast, he's saying this podcast is a movie, but this podcast is longer than a movie. This, you know, this is this crazy. All right. So, sorry, Bree, sorry, guys. That's all right. So, Bree Celeste and Sabrina, she said, Hi, Terry, you seem to have such a positive, resilient spirit. What do you do to recharge and keep that energy up? That's a good question. Very, very good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, number one, I've learned to say no. Hey, something Caribbean people have a hard time saying. Hey, Caribbean women have an even harder time saying no because we want to be likable. We want to be personable. We want to please everybody. We want to please our partners. We want to please our children. We want to be the best co-workers and the best friends, the best aunties, the best sisters. We want to, and the more people pack up on our plate is the more we say yes, 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 even though we know 
we're under some serious stress. We don't want to say no and disappoint people. The reason why I've been able to recharge and to maintain a certain perspective and positivity is because I've learned to say no. I'm so sorry. I can't. I'm not available for that right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't take this on my plate right now until I can free up a couple of things. I'm so sorry, but no, I'm not able to let you into my network right now because right now we're doing some things. I have to say no. That's a big part of filtering all the things I take upon myself and all the energy that I have to put into everything. Because as you guys can imagine, I put my all into the spaces that I decide to put my all into and so i say no number two every single day no matter how bad my day is maybe i'm feeling ill maybe i'm just having an off day i wake up with a spirit of gratitude one of my most viral videos that 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 that, that, that i experienced was talking about missing my flight in in miami's immigration and i'm heading to that job in grenada and while I could have sat down and I could have cussed immigration and I could have cussed the airline and I could have cussed everybody, I started to look at all of the things that I was grateful for. Landing safely, having a little money in my pocket that I could have used my credit card and I could have spent the night in a hotel where enough people who get laid off and have to stay in airports and sleep upon floor and upon bench and some people are sleeping at the bathroom. You understand? I, I said, Lord, I'm so grateful that I could have called my brethren and have him make a call for me on my behalf to the hotel. I gave God thanks that while I was waiting for an hour for my shuttle, I could have vexed. But instead, I was able to help two women from Bolivia who spoke Spanish, visiting Miami for the first time and couldn't understand nothing. And I was in a position because I am bilingual to help those ladies to know where to go and where to stand up for their shuttle. I get up every day understanding that I might be having an off day, but there's so much for me to give God thanks for. And because I have that outlook and because I have that perspective and because I still know I have breath and life and a reason every single day that I can share my light with other people, I choose to be positive. It is a choice. And when I've made that choice, it now becomes, it becomes second nature. It becomes like breathing. And I think those are the, 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 the two things for sure. Right. <clears throat> so we get into the last question, guys. Questions. You can sense that. We're done with questions. This is the last question. We have things to do. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So I'm going to combine two questions I got. So. One is from Daniel. He asks, how do I break into the MC circuit? How do you, uh-huh. How does he graduate? So his phone okay. is ringing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, my iPhone went off, so it registers on my computer. So I just offed it on uh, my computer. Right, no problems, no problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Daniel wants to know how to break into the MC circuit. And I'm going to combine that question with a question I got privately, where the person asks, how do I utilize, how do you utilize your influence on all social media platforms to get paid speaking engagements and support for services offered. Okay, wow. All right, so let me answer the, the second one uh, first. When I started getting my speaking engagements, I never asked people to book me. I never had a speaker a speaker's um, kit. 
which all speakers are supposed to have, all of us who are thinking of going into this, the, the speaker, which is why I tell you, you know, people be focusing on logo and colors and everything. And you don't even realize how sometimes those things don't even matter. Um, if you're going into the public speaking uh, sphere, you need to have a, 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 a speaker's kit. You need to be able to have a short bio, a longer bio that tells people who you are and the particular topics that you speak on and what your rate would be. That's, that's important for everyone so that when people come to you and they now start to ask you if you could come and speak at their event, you're not, um, um, uh, and you're throwing out random numbers. It's, it's good for you to already start formalizing what that will look like if people start to engage you. So going back to the question, um, I never said that I was a public speaker. I got up every day in front of this orange wall, right? <laughs> and spoke in front of my camera about whatever the hell I wanted to speak about, told my stories, came off, went about my business. All of a sudden, people started to say, hey, we would like you to come and speak at our corporate um, office. All right, cool. What's the topic? All right, I'm comfortable. We'd like you to come and speak in Singapore. Singapore? All right. I ended up going and speaking to Singapore about using and leveraging your social media as a thought leader. All of this happened all because I showed up every day and I communicated effectively and passionately about what I wanted to do. Whereas there are a lot of people who might be great public speakers, but they're not even getting on video. They're not putting their talent on display. And that's one of the biggest problems. You can't, you can't say you are a speaker. You can't hand out a speaker's kit when there's absolutely no proof. And the proof does not necessarily mean that you have to be on a stage, you know. The proof is that you can actually speak, be understood, and can take your audience from top of story to bottom of story. So literally, that is how I started out. And as I started to be approached by people, now I say, well, wait, up. I need to know, have something in writing. I need to have my prices. I need to know, no, if you want me for half an hour, it going to cost this. If you want me for X amount of time, it costs this. If you want me for a corporate event versus a gala event where I'm going to have to now come in a gown, which means I'm going to have to spend more money looking the part, which we all need to think about, it's going to cost me this. But so those no more, are... So no more $20 a day? No more 20 US a day? No Hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. And the thing is, what I've done is I've given you a sample. You go supermarket and you don't usually buy new products, just so. You don't buy new products, but chances are if a sampling lady is there and she said, try this, and you taste it, you say, boy, this nicey, you end up pick up the product. That is how it is right now. So it's when people saw a sample of what I could do, because I had these little videos, four minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, people said, wait, this girl is good. That is how my engagement came. So you can't put the cart before the horse. That's what I would tell people. You have to start showing people what you can do before you start booking the gigs. Then you put a hashtag, hashtag speaker, so people now know that you're open for speaking opportunities. So you can put the hashtag speaker at the end of your caption or in your video. For the first, the first question was, how do, how do you break into the emceeing gig, emceeing industry, right? For me, I started off doing it for free because I didn't know any better. 
What I would do is because the persons who were closest to me knew that I was confident, I didn't have a problem standing up in public rooms and just delegating. What would happen is somebody would say, hey, Terry, you know, having a little community concert for the church. You know, we just need somebody to go through the program. And I'm like, all right, no problem. I volunteered. Oh, Terry, you know, we have a charity event and we're taking care of um, wards of the state and we just want a, an MC who will just kind of keep them engaged. And I was like, all right, cool. A lot of us in the positions we are in now, we did a lot of our things for free back in the day. And it is by doing that you get your feet wet. You start to learn more about your ad lib. You learn what is comfortable. You get to learn different audiences. You get to play with different types of events. And while you are doing this, try to document it. Because now when you post and you say, hey, it was such an awesome um, opportunity or an honor to have hosted the this, 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 this. What you're doing is you are psychologically sensitizing your audience that this is what you do. But you have to start off sometimes free in order to get your foot in the door, in order to document, in order to post, in order to attract the right audience. You understand? So some of us don't just break into MC by just going on and saying, yo, I'm available for MC. And I gave that, I gave that same training to a guy who asked the very same question. And the very event that he did, the first event, he did it for free. He took my advice. Did the event for free, had his friend um, video. And then when he posted and he said, you know, he was the first time emceeing, he was honest. And he said at first he was nervous, but, and after that, people started giving him little gigs in the community and it will then be his discretion now to say, all right. Now I think I've made a little name for myself. I've proven myself. So now I'm going to start to charge. Maybe I'm not going to charge at the top because I'm not there yet. But now you have to give me an honorarium. And that is how most of us have pushed through. All right. So before I pose my final question to Terry Carell, I want to invite everybody. If you have enjoyed this session and you want to hear more sessions like it, go ahead and follow Caribbean Power Lunch on Instagram. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, or just go to CaribbeanPowerLunch.com. And yes, yeah, so Terry, is there, I mean, this has been excellent, of course. I mean, you've, you. you've seen the comments. You've seen the comments. Everybody thank loves you. it. Thank you, guys. Is there anything you feel like we didn't touch on? I mean, we possibly didn't touch on any past. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I, listen, I think we touched confidence, self-development, career, pivoting, yeah. finances, um, you know, the most I can tell people, uh, for those of you who are following me already, um, you guys already know what my mantra is. You know, you know what I stand for. Um, and I always told people that the biggest um, difficulty is that people really don't know the power that they have. In fact, people don't even know the power that they are. You know, and, and, and I, I will anybody who might be on this live right now who might be thinking small, playing small, thinking that you have nothing to bring to the table. I just want to remind you that you are so much greater. You can do more and you can be more. And you know what? You don't have to do it at the pace of other people. 
Your season is your season. Your blueprint is your blueprint. Your lane and your journey is yours. And so even though you've seen other people moving in a lane that seems to be faster than you, understand that life and this race is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And it is for those of us who will endure to the end. So it means start investing in yourself, start strengthening areas that you know are your weaknesses and start daring yourself a little bit to step out, but just pace yourself. That is probably just a wrap up because I don't think we missed anything, but I really just want to remind everyone that that is really what you need to do. Pace yourself, but know that you mustn't settle. Mediocrity is not a part of your vocabulary. We're going for excellence in everything that we do. And who don't like it, bite it. That is not your problem. We're pushing through and we will move with those who want to move with us. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right, guys. There you have it. Don't play small with Terry Carell Reed. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at CaribbeanPowerLunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on Castbox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Pod- Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, Terry. And by and of course, for those of you who aren't on LinkedIn or who are on LinkedIn, you know, you can go back on my page under this little flyer where we had this discussion and leave your feedback. Let us know, you know, what you thought about it. And you can, of course, follow me at Terry Carell and find me on my website, terrycarell.com. I look forward to connecting with you guys. And with those beautiful words, we are out. All right, let's end this recording. Bye, guys. Thank you so very much for your time and your energy and your effort. Stay safe. Stay safe.